we should be having a public dialogue and it should be something that rises to the level of legislation. We should not allow the National Institutes of Health or the Department of Defense to allocate funding to amplify these agents so that allegedly we can study them in the case that they fall into the hands of bad people. Because the evidence has shown us that the bad people who actually have unleashed these pathogens since 1991, and by the way, if you go to Miscellaneous Memorandum 7 and other documents, we can go back to the 1950s. The bad people who unleash these things on the population are us. It is the U.S. who's doing it. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, December 14th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to do a follow-up on East Palestine to start. I was actually kind of shocked to find out something that I was unaware, and I have been trying to keep tabs on what's going on other than people continually getting sick, which, yes, is, is still happening. We're going to talk about the absurd dynamic that's happening, the reality of what's happening on the ground in East Palestine, largely because I think other people are rightly so in many cases paying attention to very large stories. But it's interesting how quickly we get deviated, other than just the fact that we're looking at newer stories, by the media's either omission of information from a development like what's happened since what they've done what's what what's been what are the byproducts because of their actions only looking over here and so what happens is that people like alan shaw with norfolk southern default on their promises don't follow up with what they said they would don't test for the things they're supposed to be and now turning around and telling east palestine that they have to deal with their own waste from the norfolk southern derailment and of course, because East Palestine is going to make money because of it. Norfolk Southern is the one that gets to treat it and then just hand it over to East Palestine to deal with without the ability to test for their for themselves to find out if this is even treated the way it's supposed to be. I'm sure they could make that happen. The reality is that the, the, the argument of saying that this is a, a mistake, very, very debatable word in this conversation, then you're going to take accountability for that, which they have not done make it right, which they have not done, and then wait just until people stop paying attention and then tell them you're going to give them pennies in the dollar for their home, stop paying for them to live somewhere else, and tell them to treat their own waste that you cause that you clearly don't care about without testing for dioxins, without testing for any number of things that we've proven are present. And it's just an alarming reality. And the reason I started with that clip today is we, we, I do have a, a, a couple of points around vaccines, COVID-19, medical freedom, but really just the idea of, of the United States, the entities that represents, it's not as simple as saying Biden in this administration or left and right of this government, but rather the, the as Whitney's been writing about and covering about and discussing for a while now, the, the tri by national security state of multiple entities that have kind of fused into, or rather as we see the beginnings of the global government that they clearly want to establish, which includes Israel, which includes the Euro European entities. 
And the idea that when they say this is that, you know, us or the U.S. is the one are the ones doing this, we just need to realize what that means. And that's not just in the context of biological manipulation or biological warfare. We're talking about the negligence, malfeasance or deliberate use of things that cause dioxins in the atmosphere, which has been going on for decades. They know about that. They knew they, there was a moment in the early 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, where they were saying this is a problem. And EPA was talking about it. CNN covers it and says, we're finding hundreds of times the amount of dioxins that are supposed to be in the present. And then it just drifted away. Nothing happened. They didn't do anything to stop it. And it gotten worse since then. That only happens in a corrupt entity that doesn't care about your health. Well, it pretends to. And maybe at that moment, there was some middle ground there. Who, at where we're at now, they clearly don't care. Even talking about PFAS, which... A lot of activists have been screaming about for a really long time, and only recently have they become focused, I think largely because of East Palestine. And now they come out with the article from the Department of Defense that says, well, we need to produce PFASs for your defense, of course. Meaning that they've always known they were making a dangerous byproduct with the things they claim they need for your defense, which I highly doubt that's the reality. And only until you start going, why am I dying? Why are my kids' hair falling out? Why? What's the problem? Oh, well, we need to do it for your national security. I don't believe that. And I think it's amazing that we're continuing to watch this stuff. And, and I still question what happened on that train and, and the process be, in between. And I'll show you my article about that as well. The reality that they did lie. They knew that this was treated vinyl chloride, not something that people was anybody was. I, I'm willing to bet you very few people, even in the independent media, know that right now, that this was not regular vinyl chloride. It was treated vinyl chloride, which made it highly unlikely to have exploded in the context it was in, per the expert that Norfolk Southern talked to. Of course, they failed to let the volunteer fire chief that they forced to make the decision about whether or not to dump it and burn it on the ground with no precautions. They didn't tell him that. This is why he said he was railroaded, no pun intended. But none of this seems to matter as Norfolk Southern is still doing whatever the hell it wants to. Now, that long point on that to open, we're going to talk about that dynamic. We're going to also discuss a development in Syria that I think, which you're all very well aware of, but just to show you what, it's kind of the same point, who we're actually dealing with. I'm going to bring up the Stop Arming Terrorists Act to make a point to show you it doesn't have to be some some secret misunderstood reality when you really put it to the test. You know, should we just leave Syria since we haven't in uh, Congress hasn't authorized that? Almost everybody votes no. Congress, right, who, whose very power was superseded to make that happen, says, no, we don't care. We'll continue to illegally occupy Syria because reasons. Your national security. We'll talk about that. We'll discuss, uh, and generally the latter half, and a lot of things I have on the docket here, whether we'll get to it or not, is is uh, we'll see with time. But I'm going to start with the discussion that I wanted to make sure we followed up on in regard to the what appears to be entirely civilians from schools, from uh, specifically one top, top, uh, two points we're going to discuss is is the the largely publicized example they claimed were all terrorists coming out of tunnels, which turned out to be mostly civilians, if not all civilians, and the overlap with the school that was raided, people were rounded up and executed, which has been reported on. And these are civilians. Now, I think these are one and the same or possibly the same story, but or that there's multiple examples of this, which is far more likely, but either way that we can prove to you, as we have been from the very beginning, that they are actively hurting civilians. And they've admitted this. 
15 times over from different examples, from different positions of authority, from different platforms of media. And yet we still act like that's racist to point out that what they literally said they're doing is happening. And we'll have a lot to get to and I'll leave. I won't discuss it to start just in case we don't get to it today, but there's plenty to talk about. I wanted to start by showing you this. I think this is really interesting. And it's another badge of honor for the last American Vagabond team. Now we're getting looked at by NewsGuard, which shows you we're really talking about true things. <laughs> rather, however you want to frame this, which shows you we're really reaching people with what they would say is misinformation, you know, that you can back up with facts and documents and scientific studies, but misinformation all the same that they don't like you to talk about. All it really shows you is that the lastamericanvagabond.com is a concern enough for them to review, they say. This is for the podcast, Annika Slachta, Slachta, reaching out from NewsGuard. If you don't know what that is, as she just, just explains for you in the beginning, my name is Annika Slachta, and I'm a journalist with NewsGuard. Well, <laughs> that's debatable. NewsGuard is not a journalist platform. It is a supposed fact-checking platform, which is very different than a journalist, by the way, but they love to just kind of shoehorn that in to make themselves feel good about themselves. No, it's, it's a propaganda platform that actively and provably, as pretty much everybody, even they seem to know, is about really controlling the flow of information and protecting certain narratives that maybe they're dumb enough to think are actually the truth. But the, the obvious example of things like they fact check, you know, myocarditis and vaccines that we literally all admit happens now or any number of things that we've already talked about. But it says a company that assesses news and information sources for basic standards of credibility, but I'm sure, and transparency. But I'm sure that they completely ignore all the lacking of those three things in every single media platform that's not independent. But it says you can find more about us in our rating processes. I don't care in our website here. Don't care. And I'm also happy to answer any questions you might have. Now, I want, I'm just debating whether I'm even going to reach out. Quite frankly, I could care less. But I was considering whether it might be more interesting after they come out with their hit piece for us to be able to discuss what we said or not. I'm really not sure, quite frankly, what's going on every day in the real world matters more to me. So maybe I'll just forget to even respond to her. This, this was sent on the 11th. I, I just remember today. I was like, oh, yeah. You guys might want to know that we've moved up in the world. I'm writing today because NewsGuard is in the process of reviewing The Last American Vagabond, which means a hit piece. They're, they're going to break down why you shouldn't listen to The Last American Vagabond. And it's our practice to reach out to websites with any questions that come up during the course of that process, which this is, this is the only thing I've gotten. So either that's not about, you know, really it's about you saying something they can try to use to make you look like the way they've already decided they're going to paint you in this article. I've talked far too many times with people like Vanessa Bealey and others that have been the subject of numerous hit pieces, unjust, obviously, and it always goes the same way. Derek had a recent one, and we did an article about it, where he recorded all the questions and everything that was there, and you know, and you show how they're almost deliberately trying to misrepresent you. It goes on to say, that being said, would it be possible to send some questions your way for comment? And a, as a heads up, we regularly incorporate correspondence with websites in our reviews, so any communication should be considered on the record. Now, obviously, I'm kind of being facetious. I mean, I mean what I've said, but I don't know whether this person believes what they're doing is in the best interest of truth, which it's, I mean, as many people have become, has become a common talking point. The idea of fact-checking in general or misinformation it's kind of a manipulative thing from the very beginning. I mean, we all know that there are falsehoods and there are truths. But obviously, perspective and context make a difference. And sometimes we just genuinely disagree on what a, a truth. I mean, people can debate about all sorts of things. 
I mean, there, there are people that will give you a really intellectual and interesting and, and valid almost argument why we misunderstand what gravity is or things like this. Not that it's not there, but it's we misunderstand it. The point is somebody might go flatly, you're completely wrong and that's fake news or whatever. And that really comes down to a, a difference of, of of understanding what they're looking at. You, my point is that we don't know whether or not this person might actually believe what they're doing is right. I'm not trying to say that I know this person is a dishonest manipulator, but my point is if you can look back at NewsGuard and what they've done and all of the horrible, ridiculous fact checks that come out from the, or the obvious connections to who are funding and controlling and manipulating, I mean, it's obvious what this platform is meant to do. How about most important of which that we don't need some kind of a, mod, a moderator of all news to be able to go, this is real, this isn't. Who fact checks them? Right. Okay. So they, what, what can't they make mistakes? Okay. So somebody comes out, I'm going to, I'm the fact checker of the fact checkers. Okay. Then who fact check it? You get the point. It's not about somebody to tell you what's right and wrong. It's about you deciding what you believe is correct. And you can care enough to try to make sure you're right or you, or not. That's a personal choice for you. The point is that you don't need somebody to tell you what is and is not the truth. You need to be smart enough to decide for yourself. And sometimes you can be wrong. The point is, though, I think it's honestly obvious that we're making waves, which I love. My Coinbase was recently frozen. We have a lawsuit where we're currently being sued, which, again, I can't really get into until we kind of flesh this out a bit more. Just as you guys well know, most people are aware of how that works today. It, you know, I don't want to end up doing something that might make this more complicated, but I guarantee you I will let you know what's going on in this when I feel it's appropriate one way or the other. No matter how it goes out, I will make sure you guys know what's going on with that. But you're going to laugh. It's wildly frivolous. And I guarantee, interestingly, it all comes down at the same time. Anyway, we're going to start today with the point about the anti-human agenda and how this overlaps with the East Palestine conversation and all the rest of the things we're discussing. But I think it's really alarming how everything seems to be centered around whether, I mean, you, a lot of this could be malfeasance, right? That they're doing what they want to do and they just don't care if that whatever the byproduct is hurts your children. That's obviously part of it. But I genuinely think there's more to it, even just in the things like dioxins and PFAS and benzenes. And, you know, like the point is, if we know benzene is dangerous, which it is, which that came out during East Palestine for most people, you look at it and you go, yeah, this is fun. This is objectively bad, no matter what. And then go, wait a minute. Why is this in children's toys? Why is this in sunscreen? Why is this? Oh, maybe because it's cheap. I'm not even saying I know that. I'm just saying maybe that's the re the reality and that would be like just because it's profiteering and that's malfeasance. But it can't just be that. How is it possible that you're using the most... It's I think there is a lot more sinister agenda around a lot of this stuff. I'm just... That's my personal opinion. But when we realize how completely drenched we are in endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and you know, which is glyphosate, dioxins, or... Multiple things you'll find in these injections. I mean, there's so many things that are drenching us in dangerous, in the sense of endocrine disrupting chemicals, hormone altering substances, or things that cause cancer, or things that shorten your lifespan, or things that lower your IQ, like fluoride in your water, which is going to come out as Derek has been breaking down. The leaked report already came out. The point is, they just pretend it's not there because they're holding it back. Actually, I should grab this because I didn't get to publicize this in the show. Eric has a, we're, we're going to be discussing this in an upcoming interview. Uh, Derek's article here, landmark fluoride lawsuit restarts in January. Here are the four reasons you should care. And actually on that note, since I forgot this as well, 
you guys make sure you are, if you want to see him do this, and he's going to do it either way, but if you want to help support us, we're trying to raise enough money to send him there without affecting the rest of the work in T-Lab, but we've all decided this is important either way. So Derek's going to be going to the culmination of the fluoride trial. Uh, we've only raised about 500 so far of, of six South six K is what we put it as for the two week period, you know, flights and hotel stays and everything else. And we plan on doing a lot of work there. So if you'd like to support this, please help us out here. This will be included for the give, send, go, but this is obviously a problem. It's hurting your children's IQ and a lot more than that. And guess what? They know about it. They know that it's hurting you. So to this first tweet, and it's just, you just have to laugh at stuff like this because this is how bad it's gotten. Daily Mail, citing a very real study, which I've already seen, scientists are say breathing is bad for the environment. Breathing. Gases we exhale contribute to all 0.1% of the UK's greenhouse gas emissions. You know, that's assuming that greenhouse gas emissions are rather specifically your carbon dioxide breathing out of your mouth is any negative effect on the planet at all. And it's not just some political manipulation. We're definitely hurting the planet, but whether or not that is the problem, I think we all know is a manipulation. The point is though, a little too on the nose, right? Totally not an anti-human agenda, right? But, but, But please, if you could just stop breathing for us, thanks. That'd be great. I mean, really? And then of course, enter the climate change filter mask that they already floated during the COVID illusion. Remember that? Here's a mask that you can turn on that helps filter carbon while you're... Re- I mean, let me see if I can grab that, actually. Okay, that was it. And then we also have the discussions. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've had these for a while, but they really pushed this out during the COVID-19 discussion when masks were all the rage. Anyway, the point is that they're going to continue to push the justification for all the things that are making you unhealthy, right? And so the idea is at least ask the question about things like this. What actually happened here with East Palestine? What actually happened in Lahaina? Certainly could just be a disaster. But then what happened afterwards? How are they being used? How is this affecting the health of the population? I just don't see how in this specific story, we cannot look at this as an honest person outside the two-party illusion talking points and whatever the overlaps are and not just go, this is outrageously obvious. Everything about it. East Palestine, six months later, this is just six, this this was in August. Health issues persist and answers are elusive. Think about being sick, bloody nose, and in many cases getting worse progressively. And then doing, six months later, and still acting like we're not sure. Think about being someone who took an injection that we're told would save your life and then literally destroys your life. Maybe you can't even walk anymore. And they go, we don't know for sure. We're still trying to figure it out. And what are you, what are you trying to figure out? Maddie Daguerre still can't walk. She was in your trial. And we've seen more than enough evidence to back that up to this day. But you know what? We're baffled, guys. These are bad, dangerous people. And that's they'll they'll just drift this on as long as possible. Don't forget, one of the problems with these Palestine conversation, which was what we said in the very beginning, was is what they always do in these disasters. They spread the problem as far as possible, which they've effectively done, and then act like you can't really discern what's their fault and what's not. As opposed to immediately cutting off the damage and just taking responsibility, which of course would maximize their financial responsibility. So, of course, they don't do that. Of course not. Six months later, 
Then we can go forward to just two months ago. East Palestine residents getting sicker, testing experts say. Think about how crazy that is. October 2023, and they're not getting better. They're getting sicker. Not every single one of them, but more than enough. And let's not forget, for those that still act like, well, we don't know. The CDC went there themselves and got sick. Right? This was well after the disaster. 15 people went, seven of them got sick with all the same symptoms that aligned perfectly with what other people were dealing with and aligned perfectly with what they thought would happen based on what they thought was a danger. But they're baffled. Literally still to this day, they go, wow, it might have been fatigue. Yeah, because fatigue often causes bloody noses in seven people, right? That's like unbelievably obvious. They know they're lying to you. They know you know, and they don't care. Oh, let's not forget, it wasn't just the CDC. Other teams working with the EPA and others were also getting sick as they were trying to deal with this process. This was March 2023. So this is an article that I wanted to touch on that was written in November this year from the Huffington Post. Some people are still talking about this story. A roll of the dice, it says, the unknown threat of exposure to chemical mixtures. Now, one of the main points here is they know well that they don't know, or rather at least not publicly stated on some kind of website, that what the overlap of these chemicals will be. It, despite that, they still pretended like they knew everything was fine. And then we, even though we know they know it wasn't, we can prove that with the test that they weren't taking. That's, that's the whole willful, like plausible deniability. Well, we don't know. We didn't even look. So how do we know? Well, everybody else showed you their results and you know, and your team's got sick. So we know, but they did take some but they never are, 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 well, I shouldn't say that. I know that there were some preliminary tests around dioxins that they took, they said was super low. And I'm going to get into this article. The point is that there has been countless, I think over eight independent groups, even the group from Texas A&M that came and tested and found shocking high levels of dioxins that were way above the, the safe level. And, were, and this is well after the fact. And they knew this, they didn't care. There's a lot in here you should read about just the, the, the whole overlap and the, the background story. And, you know, but you guys know this well, especially if you're watching this show. But it says no one in East Palestine was exposed to a single chemical. And this was, uh, where was it? It was Le- uh, Lester, one of the group, that, the people we've already discussed. He's an expert in, in uh, cleanup, toxic cleanup, and these kind of past examples. We've talked about Lester. We've talked about uh, Stephen. I think it was Stephen Lester. I'm blanking on the other guy's name. It's been a minute since we've talked about the story, but there's at least three of them that we've personally discussed on the show and their independent findings all showing shocking levels of dioxins as well as Texas A&M and a couple of other groups that have done the same. But so this is, he argues the EPA's dropped the ball, obviously. He's one of the earliest people that were there. He says people were exposed to multiple chemicals, many of which affect the same target organ. Again, what a coincidence, such as the central nervous system. By the way, let's not forget this happened and an interesting time in the worldwide experiment that was ongoing and still is to this day. Whether we're talking about the COVID-19 injections and all the rest of this, right? How do we not see this as an active experiment? How do we, what, what if something in this that was put out as some kind of another test to see, like, I mean, these sound like conspiracy, whatever people believe that term means these days, which in really ultimately means this sounds like something you're supposed to reflexively dismiss without investigation because that's supposed to be smart, apparently. But the reality is, these are historical concepts that are very real. 
the idea that your government might, you know, I don't know, spray a biological agent across San Francisco Bay to go, let's just see what happens. Yeah, that's called Operation Sea Spray. Very real. Killed somebody. The idea that your government's incapable of doing this is if you don't think if you think that's the case, you're wildly naive because guess what? It's provably happening right now. They've admitted to what was it? 239 different times they've tested on the population with chemical, biological or other agents in order to manipulate to see what would happen. But it says such as the central nervous system or the upper respiratory system weirdly aligned with what's going on with the illusion of COVID-19. Scientists have no way to assess the health impacts from exposures to multiple chemicals. This should be obvious from the real-world response that we are all seeing in East Palestine. Remember, this is from last month, where people continue to report adverse health symptoms. Headaches, bloody noses, difficulty breathing. Imagine that. Um, I mean, what what was the exact date? You know, we're looking at like a year ago at this point. And these people are still dealing with these problems. Must just be anxiety. Instead of acknowledging how little we know and understand, he says, about the adverse health effects caused by simultaneous exposure to low-level mixtures of toxic chemicals. And that's important. Because ultimately, when you test for one and say, well, it's below the level, you don't, and that's willful ignorance right there, because they know Sort of like saying this small problem is not a, it's just a little problem from COVID-19 injections. Then all of a sudden you realize, well, there's 147 small problems in a pile that become a very real gigantic risk. Of course, then you realize that those aren't small problems. They lied about that. But my point was always in the beginning, how many small issues can you pile up before it becomes an obvious risk to your health immediately? 1% here, half a percent there, whatever it is. So it's the, this is the game that they always play. They are playing on your ignorance of the situation. EP, it says, read it again. Instead of acknowledging how little we know about what can happen when you're con- confronted with low-level mixtures of, of multiple toxic chemicals, EPA instead releases disingenuous and misleading statements in a false attempt to convince people that everything's all right, says the expert. I mean, and you guys, you can look these people up. These are, these are people that even the EPA has used in the past. They're telling you they lied. They know they lied. They they intentionally downplayed the problem. For what? The only job of the EPA, as we're told, is to keep you safe from these things. And they lie about it? So clearly, either their job is to protect corporate interests at your expense, or there's something far more nefarious going on. The federal cleanup threshold for dioxins hasn't changed. Oh, this is just saying one of the primary concerns for the people in East Palestine is dioxins. And I, I argue the only reason they even know about that is because of the independent media forcing that into the conversation. And now they're screaming about it. But of course, even then still, they have yet to do anything about it. The federal cleanup threshold for dioxins hasn't changed since late 1980s, which again shows you they were well aware of this. Remember in the beginning where they were almost like dioxin, what? what? What are we talking about? Like the EPA played dumb when people ask these questions. They didn't say that, obviously, but the way they responded very clearly gave the impression that we're like, what are we, what is this? Like, they didn't act like they knew what the connection was. Yes, they did. And they definitely lied about it. Even though EPA's own research indicated that they should have changed those threshold levels a long time ago. The EPA considers today dioxin concentrations below a thousand parts per trillion in residential areas to be safe. 
even though I've proven to you 14 times over with new research, by the way, that the risk is way lower than that, especially talking about TCDD, the most, pretty much the most dangerous chemical on earth. It's not hyperbole. It's, it's, the, it's what they used in Agent Orange. They pretend it's an herbicide. This was, and it's been used to assassinate people by the U.S. government. This is open stuff. You can read about this from Wikipedia. The point is TCDD is the highest level dioxin. So when you just broadly say dioxins, well, there's a dramatic scale between what those things are. They know that too. But in 2010, after a multi-year scientific review, see, they were very aware of this. The EPA under Obama recommended drastically lowering the thresholds. Can you guess what they lowered it to? A thousand parts per trillion right? To what? To 72 parts per trillion in residential areas. So think about that. So they go, we need to change this, not to maybe 950, you know, from a thousand parts per trillion down to 72 for residential areas. And even considered lowering them down to 3.7 parts per trillion for specifically residential. The, The industrial is a little bit higher. Even industrial was 17 parts per trillion. But the administration never moved forward with the draft recommendations, effectively walking away from its own science. Now, that's what you know what that looks like? Or you know what that tends to suggest? They walked into the brick wall of corporate interests or some other interest like that that has enough power to influence the outcome of a governmental action, which is not hard to imagine. It's literally everywhere. Other governments, other lobbyists. I mean, it's what this is really about. It's rare that they just do what they need to do. So the problem here is that somebody, I argue things like groups like Norfolk Southern, or I, I even take that back. They, I argue more specifically groups like, I meant, I just said that because they're obviously the focus and their corporation, massive company, but more so things like the government overlap, where they know, sort of like the PFAS point, where they've admitted to, They know already, they've done studies, that they do what they need to do for your quote-unquote protection, national security, and they know that produces some super dangerous thing. You know, they, I guess, we're told when it comes to it, they try to do it in other people's countries, which is supposed to be good, burn pits and all the crap they do that really dangerously hurt other populations they pretend they care about. But the point is that that probably became the problem, where they go, well, we can't stop making these missiles, whatever it is, some kind of new tech they're working on. Who knows? And so they go, okay, we'll shut up. We'll go back to sleep. We won't mention it again. And that's what happened. That's the gap I'm talking about, guys. They just stopped talking about it. That doesn't happen when you go, oh my God, this is a thousand times the level it should be. (laughs) And we tell everybody and then something just go, oh, never mind. And we never look back. Until now, when suddenly they have a huge accent problem and they go, docs, what, what are we talking about? Dioxins are known to form when chlorinated chemicals like vinyl chloride combust, especially when you purposely dump it on the ground with any without protection and light it on fire in the middle of the day with nothing to control of any, any aspect of it. Maximizes the amount of dioxins, understand. All that black smoke, that's what we're talking about, which, by the way, would not have happened if it was an actual controlled burn. In East Palestine, EPA has stressed, because the point is the black smoke, there's the oxygen. The primary thing of a controlled burn is the controlled flow of oxygen. All the black are all particles. That's all the the byproduct of burning vinyl chloride. The EPA has stressed 
that dioxin concentrations have mostly been found at low levels, anywhere from one to 20 parts per trillion, which by the way, is not true. That's, that's the heart. That's the real point we'll get to. Actually, we'll just show you this right now. This is the crazy reality. So they're telling, yeah, you know, one part per trillion. Well, one of these independent experts that has been backed up by other independent experts found up to 14,000% more dioxins in homes and their filters compared to the control of what's supposed to be the safe area. That's not a typo or a mistake. 14,000% more, right? So let's just take what they're saying here. One one part per trillion becomes 14,000 parts per trillion. Quite a bit more than 72 or 1,000, right? The point is they're lying as we've already seen them as even this less, the expert in this article is disc- discussing. They're downplaying the risk. That's not honesty. That's lying. Now it says the point is they're claiming one to 20 parts per trillion, which if you remember, even my work showed you even that is at a dangerous level for the average person. But it says, however, some readings exceed the thresholds from the agency's draft recommendations in 2010. So the point there is that even if you look at their, it's not, you know, if you look at the full report, compared to what they claim, they already know should have been the rev level, even that they're going over those levels. But it says for Lester, EPA's handling of, of dioxins, both in East Palestine and generally, highlights that the current system for assessing chemical risk is broken, favoring corporate interest over public health. What do you know? That's welcome to the United States. The point is that they are clearly, in everything they do, leaning into that direction at your expense, despite their mandate being you and your protection. It's not broken. It's designed this way. And that's the thing, that's the mantra we need to understand about the way this government works. The political system is not overcomplicated and broken and get, no, they, it's designed so you don't act, like as our buddy Pasta has been pointing out for a long time, that these are very clear systems of, of elections in South America that are one day processes with massive populations, paper ballots and so on. Super simple. And yet we have this wild, this process that is designed to be manipulated and complicated as all hell, just like our legalese and our, and our legislation. It's like, it's meant to be, here's 5,000 pages in 30 seconds vote. That's the system we live in. It says you can't have it both ways. It just, you can't just use numbers you like because clearly that's not science. That's the world where that, this is the reality of East Palestine right now. So. As we know that they're finding, like, I mean, even then, I, I mean, I literally made, I double checked this right after, this was a while back, this was on July 2nd. I was like, that can't be right. 14,000%. And sure enough, I looked at he, what he posted were his results and was confirmed by other independent experts. And this is, and by the way, this is not outside or on the ground. This is in their home filter in their house with their children, their pets. Also, February 26, 2023, dioxins. The title of this show, The Ohio Cover-Up and the Overwhelming Intentional Incompetence Malfeasance of the U.S. Government. This is a cover-up, guys. That's what this always was. Now, going to October 11th, 2023, this is an article from a couple months ago. A sacrifice zone. Now, this is not East Palestine, but it's, it's uh, I think it's 100 miles north. Before we even get into what they're currently doing in East Palestine, East Palestine's wastewater is flooding into this Ohio community. Okay. So in October, they were still trying to, let's find ways 
to get rid of this wastewater. Because here's the logic, guys. East Palestine is not responsible for Norfolk Southern's disaster and the EPA's incompetence or what they frame as incompetence. So the whole process was about helping this community, right? We want to get them out of the way. We want to remove the, the stuff that we caused. And the whole point is as fast as possible, getting this dealt with away from the community that's suffering. And we already talked about this, and this is the important conversation we'll come back to about what they did. Forcing waste facilities that weren't even able to process dioxins or PFAS or many other things we discussed, but forcing them to take it all the same, which all that did was spread the problem around. Clean harbors being a, a focal point of this discussion. There is a very, very concerning issue behind this company and the, the multiple things that I think they've always been involved with the basically negligent cover-up of massive disasters in the interest of the U.S. government at your expense. We'll come back to that. The point is that this stuff is not being properly treated. I proved in those conversations on the phone with those facilities that they did not have the even the setup to deal with deep dioxins, let alone even asked about it. So wastewater arguably is a less is a lower risk due to the solubility of, of what we're talking about, but there are different dynamics even within that. My point though is that nonetheless we have a water wastewater process that is that will have all the problems that were there, including potential vinyl chloride, benzene, the rest of the discussions, per their own statements, and yet you're moving it to places that you know can't deal with that. What do you call that if not negligence, if not deliberate criminality at the very least? Wastewater from the derailment site cleanup will be injected far underground in the foothills of the Appalachians. Because that's what you do, right? You just dump it underground. In recent weeks, thousands of gallons of wastewater, this is October, remember, from February's toxic chemical derailment site in East Palestine, 100 miles to the north are being delivered to an injection well outside the town. Owned by Buckeye Brin, so it might be good to look this look into this further, a private company, the injection wells will see the wastewater pumped thousands of feet underground for storage. Wastewater. It has become a major concern for uh, Kashokton uh, residents, I believe that's how you pronounce it, and in, in, in fueled protests. Rightly so. This is another Ohio town is going... We don't want this wastewater pumped under our town. Now realize the only reason it's being moved away from East Palestine is the same logic. Because you're getting it away from the area that is the problem. Which is where we're going with this to see it come full circle where they're going, we're going to do it right back in East Palestine. It just shows you how far we've come from the story when they know people aren't paying attention. But why, why does Kashokton have to deal with it either? Like this should not be the way this is dealt with. Especially if we know how dangerous this really was and is currently when people are still getting sick. It says, quote, if you pump millions of gallons of something into the ground, at some point, it's going to affect everyone. Right. I mean, that's basically obvious. You can't put this underground knowing it's toxic and act like it's not going to eventually cause a problem. Quote, it doesn't take a NASA scientist to know that all it takes is one geolog geological occurrence or ground shifting, and we're going to be stuck with the issue. Cleanup has lasted months and produced tens of millions of gallons of wastewater laced with vinyl chloride, a known carcinogen. Now, th think about this, guys. If we know, based on their testing, that even vinyl chloride is still present in what they're dealing with, despite the burn, 
How do we pretend that there's not dioxins in this problem? Ohio's Emergency Management Agency reported in August that crews had collected and disposed of 88,500 tons of hazardous and solid waste and 28 million gallons of, quote, surface and groundwater categorized as hazardous waste. Hazardous waste. They love to play the game where they go, no, no, it's not that bad. It's just water. It's almost drinking water, but but you but you label it hazardous waste. I'm not I'm not gonna I don't care what you say it's treated as. If you call it hazardous waste, I don't want that under my family's home or in my town or whatever. Nobody should be forced to deal with this. Because it really should be treated properly, or we should do something to stop this problem, or in addition, stop this from being a very common problem. But my point, obviously, this is going to be riddled with other problems. And you're talking about 28 million gallons of this, which we've already shown you. The examples of them in these drums they have sitting out where they're just like the flaps open and the rain is hitting it. Like they clearly have not cared about this from day one. It says the EPA says that it's safe. Mills, this is the person from the group we were discussing. Uh, What was it again? Mark Mills. From Northern Pike. Oh, look, just oh, this is different. This is just the local, I believe. The the guy from from uh, Kashokton. Now he's saying that the EPA says it's safe, right? But his question is, then why pump it in the ground? That's kind of the point that I was making. If you're telling me this is drinking water level safe, then why do we need to pump it under the ground? They may have an argument for why. Well, Justin, well then, if I mean, the point obviously is that there's a clear implication that there at least might be more of a problem. So they have every right to say absolutely not, but the point is they're not being asked. In the months after the derailment, firefighting wastewater and other potentially toxic material. That's actually a good point. That the firefighting stuff they use is also super toxic. Or and other potentially toxic material were transported for treatment to facilities in Michigan, West Virginia, and Texas. We covered all this. And guess what? Every single one of those did not have the ability to deal with dioxins. Now that's again primarily more of the concern was about the the the, the actual waste, uh, like dirt and waste, as opposed to the liquid. But either way, it needs to be treated for the most dangerous aspect, which was yes, TCDD, the most dangerous. And we proved that they did not. It's just all still going. Tim Kettler, a founding member of the Kushokton Environmental and Community Awareness Group has said that at least 22 oil and gas wells within two miles of the injection wells that present danger of an overflow of East Palestine wastewater because they are drilled to the same depth. So there's this issue with the other injection sites with other things that I think may become overlap, but also the fact, it says, quote, you're talking about the underground wastewater plume spreading laterally underneath the aquifer and potentially going up into those oil wells. Within a mile of Buckeye Brin's injection wells flow the uh, Tuscarawas and Walhounding rivers that a few miles downstream form the Muscum River that in turn flows into the Ohio River, which supplies drinking water for millions of people downstream in Cincinnati and elsewhere. It's like, you know, so like the, it's amazing that we can even, this is Flint, Michigan, all well, it's a very different, but similar overlap. That you're making an you're taking an action that's going to guarantee, or I shouldn't say guarantee, but highly likely going to cause a problem in the drinking water, and then you can just act like the problem so ubiquitous everywhere it can't possibly be only because of what we did here, or however you want to look at it. The bottom line is, if you can even 
potential, like there's a 1% chance this could end up tainting the drinking water for millions of people. How does anybody pretend that makes sense? Is Are we pretending there's not anywhere else this could go? That seems like a deliberate action. And let's not forget, as this goes forward, it seems like everything's kind of combining to cause all sorts of problems that seem to be reducing you. All the different water issues, all these things are being floated right now, and they seem to be taking actions, or at the very least, allowing or being malfeasant enough to cause all sorts of in, you know, food processing plants and food in general and water and all sorts of the necessities of life. And oh, and by the way, please stop breathing for us, right? Finishes by saying, and this is just interesting to show you a different point of what other issues they're dealing with in Appalachia in general. And apparently they call this a sacrifice zone, saying that in, in, it's always been preyed on by fossil fuel industries. You, and this goes, I, I argue this goes way back before the fossil fuel industry in general. That Appalachia has always been a dumping ground because it's typically been, you know, lo, less uh, flu, uh, financially sound people and that kind of a thing. More living off the land, out in the middle. Like, that's kind of how and they, they see that as, in their mind, lesser than. Quite frankly, I think they're better than everyone in the, the government. Or the idea being that that's the way we should be living our lives, in my opinion. Bottom line, they take advantage. For years, Kettler has battled the use of toxic brine, brine excuse me, from oil and gas wells on local roadways. It just doesn't stop everything it seems they're using for your benefit turns out to be not for your benefit at all but in the interest of corporations a la soil tack sprayed all over lahaina because for your safety hardly this is a similar concept in winter and summer brine is sprayed on the roads to prevent ice and dust for your benefit of course Oh, they tell you that fracking and conventional well drilling, Brian is known to contain naturally occurring radium 226, a bone seeking cancer causing isotope, and radium 228. Kettler and colleagues have worked on document uh, to document radioactive threats to their community. A radio, I mean, just it's just almost too much some days. We have located these hot spots mostly in storm ditches. So, why are they doing this? Because the companies want that so they can they can use the street, the, the roads more efficiently for their delivery, for what they're accomplishing. It has not, there's plenty of other things they could use that would help the roads be less icy than something containing radium 226. Although Ohio's department of and by the way, I argue that's because they can bent, they can use something they're already creating as a byproduct, sort of like fluoride in your water as a byproduct that they would otherwise have to pay to get rid of. But in this case, they make you pay for it. Although Ohio's Department of Transportation announced it would stop using de-icing products made from the brine, local authorities, of course, continue to use it. <laughs> End of story. That's how it works, right? It's illegal, but we'll keep using it and we won't enforce it. So nothing changed except narrative. It's most core effective. It's more cost effective, excuse me, than tra traditional salt-based de-icing product. Great. So we might cause your kid to have cancer, but guess what? The streets will be a little bit less slippery. Sound good? Kettler said he constantly fears that the brine will affect his family's water supply. And there's the overlap, which comes from a pond less than 100 yards from the road where brine is sprayed. These people don't care. For the past several years, he and his neighbors have been collecting brine samples from roadsides and sending them to testing laboratories. They're awaiting the results. I'm sure are going to take especially longer than usual. Appalachia is a sacrifice zone. It's always been preyed upon by fossil fuels. So this was October. So jump forward to this month, three days ago, in fact. East Palestine 
weighs pros and cons of accepting derailment wastewater for treatment. Now, don't be confused by the article. They don't care what you think. They don't care what East Palestine people think, just like they didn't care with all the rest of the pretend council, city city community meetings. They acted like we were going to hear your thoughts and then did what they wanted to do anyway. Now, yes, I know I'm very jaded when it comes to government, but you tell me where I'm wrong. And when this continues to go the way I'm telling you it's going to go, remember that I said that because this is what's happening, guys. This is how frustrating it is that they can pretend like they care what you think. I mean, coming off the conversation of like trying to find ways to get rid of this water elsewhere suddenly comes back to going, oh, well, we'll just send it back to East Palestine. There was a flurry of questions Monday night on whether or not East Palestine's wastewater treatment plant should accept and treat wastewater from Norfolk Southern's derailment site. Some people are concerned about the tests for contaminants and their accuracy. Yeah, because they've been lied to. Plus, there are concerns about the water flowing downstream. The head of the wastewater treatment plant in East Palestine says some profits could help keep bills down. Right, you know, in, in the in the event that they care to maybe let you see some of that benefit. Maybe. It, you know, as opposed to possibly just increasing prices for their own benefit. Sort of like after 2008, where we gave all that money and they just gave themselves bonuses and nobody cared. That's how it actually works. But I'm sure they promised, give us the money and we'll make it all better for everybody, except they didn't. The benefits to accepting and treating the wastewater from the derailment site in a process he says is safe. This is Scott Wolf, who we'll talk about in a second. I tried to call today and got a really, really weird response from the office acting like, oh, he's out in the field. And okay, well, who can I talk to about this process? Well, he's the only one that knows. So Scott Wolf is the only one in Ohio that knows how this works. I find that hard to believe, but you know, we'll keep following up. But it says, but because the treated water will be pumped into the Leslie Run, which winds its way to the Ohio River, there are worries about what will end up. Okay, so now we've got this conversation where a couple months ago, they were wanting to dump this into the area up here, which would also eventually lead its way back to the Ohio River, which create, gets drinking water to millions of people. And here's Norfolk Southern now turning around and forcing, or rather, which I'm going to tell you will be the way this goes, the people in East Palestine to deal with the problem they created at their expense. Well, he tells you again that they're going to stop funding what you need. Ending relocation aid right after, pretty much right on Christmas. Great people. Now it says, this sediment is contaminated with a variety of pollution. When you muck it up so that heavy discharge coming through that is going to pull those pollutants out from the bottom and send them downstream as the Three Rivers Waterkeeper, and I spoke with uh, Heather from this group today, we're concerned about that because we monitor, patrol, and protect the Ohio River. That's one of the ones they, they basically monitor, which is a drinking water source for 5 million people and is a, recrea- a recreational course for 50 million people. Quote, when something comes out of the treatment facility's affluent discharge space into the Leslie Run, which is like the one of the worst polluted issue uh, kind of runoff rivers, I guess you'd call it, from what happened in East Palestine that ends up flowing into the Ohio River. As they are mentioning, they are opening themselves to the Clean Water Act violations. Now, her point in this is that if they should do this, that opens them to potential violations if you find out that there are more problems. But my point is that these people don't care. Who are you going to look to? The EPA? Do you think they're going to hold them accountable? Right? And I'm not. I'm, I'm glad they're saying this because this is the right thing to say. But the point is that I'm very skeptical that even using that will come to any kind of actual accountability. 
because they've already proven themselves to be dishonest and colluding to hide this whole story. It says that facility does have a national pollutant elimination systems permit, the NPEDS, and that requires them to operate in limitations. And if they don't, they can be sued using the Clean Water Act. Essentially, you know, the argument being that they would just dump this in, as opposed to doing it in slow amounts, but I don't think they really care. It says other people here questioned whether the equipment will be able to test accurately to one or two parts per billion, and others want a list of chemicals they will test for, none of which they got. And yet others say they can't test for safe levels of vinyl chloride since there are no safe levels. Same for dioxins, which they don't even mention. A person in the crowd asked how much money the city stands to make. And so did 21 News. But guess what? They didn't answer the question. Of course, because they're all honest about it. Residents want to know what guarantees are in place that wastewater treatment bills will go down and won't go up if this agreement happens. That's all they're really banking this on is, well, you do this and we'll, we'll maybe lower your water bill. Or also give your kids cancer in the process, but, you know, maybe 15 cents off your water bill will make it worth it. Another resident explained many folks are still going through trauma from Norfolk Southern's toxic train derailment just 11 months ago. They are upset East Palestine will not say how much profit it will make. So think about how gross this is. The, the state, the actual town itself is trying to make money off the processing of the problem that they all seem to not, they, even the local government didn't seem to care that much, in my opinion. And the idea being is now it seems like a payoff to me. In fact, in regard to taking money back to the low, or rather waste back to the location that the whole point was to remove. I don't even know how that makes sense to anybody. We'll not say how much profit it will make and ask city leaders to put residents over profits and express that people are tired of, the, of them putting profits over the residents. I want them to put people over profits, he said. And this they said multiple times in the meeting that it's about profit. It's all about monetary profit. Like these people are outraged. They don't care. They're telling them to their face, we want, we're going to make some money off this. And they're sitting there with their families suffering and people still suffering from symptoms. And they say, we don't care. And they just, they, that's my point. These are not about actually going, we hear what you have to say. These people didn't want what they were selling and they just didn't care. It says, why won't they tell us that now? They know how much. It's already been a part of their conversation. The fact that they don't, again, that's more trauma for the people. The more you keep stuff from people, the harder it is to trust you. And this community should be about rebuilding trust as well as rebuilding foundations. East Palestine Village officials said they will consider what the residents said and decide at a letter date. Hardly. This decision has been made. Here is another article, the Morning Journal from the next, it's from today, actually. It says, while water superintendent Scott Wolf, who I'm going to try to get a hold of, who initially presented the proposal in council in August, gave a general explanation on how the village would receive the wastewater from Norfolk Southern temporary treatment facility. So this is, this is the interesting part about this. So this is, so this goes two ways for me. You have to realize, so th this is not only now trying to send this back to the official water treatment of East Palestine, but what they're sending it back from, mind you, is a temporary treatment plant that Norfolk Southern built in East Palestine. I mean, can you, I, I mean, I, that's salt on the wound. You can't just, you're, you're literally dealing with a process that you created where people are suffering and you're not even trying to deal with the main issue, which is dioxins. And instead of removing it even out of the area to not deal with it, you just keep it in East Palestine and not deal with it. And now you're going to dump it back on them to put under the ground when you haven't dealt with it. 
That's the reality. And Scott Wolf seems okay with this, apparently. <clears throat> it says, <clears throat> excuse me, that they would receive it from Norfolk Southern's temporary treatment facility. He nor council could provide community members with any details to alleviate concerns that they brought forward. So either he's not the one making decisions and he's just the person telling them how they're going to be hurt by this, or he's lying and not telling them or withholding, however you want to look at it. What is the point of these discussions in the community hearing area with if you can't answer their basic questions to tell them what they're going to be dealing with? That's what this is. And in hopes that it feels like they're involved in that decision. Among the questions asked by residents was the exact number of what the lab testing of the wastewater considers undetectable, a full list of what chemicals the wastewater will be testing for, how much the village stands to gain monetarily from each accounted accepted truckload of wastewater, whether an already contaminated Leslie Run can even handle the burden of the additional discharge, who and, and who becomes legally responsible if any derailment contaminants are in fact later detected downstream in other municipalities as a result of the wastewater discharge. These are all valid questions of which Scott Wolf said, oh, no, 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 no comment or whatever. No response is the point. What was the point of this meeting then? You get it. God, it's crazy. So they're, they're literally saying, like, they're, the, the residents know what's going on. They're pointing out the reality that there are things that they're intentionally not looking for. That's the whole kind of standard was the VOCs. The reality that they're not testing for everything, dioxins included. And again, the, li the liability is a huge point there. Okay, so what happens then when they dump this in the water and a city down, down the river goes, you just made my people sick and somebody's accountable for that. Well, guess what? Norfolk just effectively pushed off liability onto East Palestine. That's what that looks like to me. Wolf insisted that the wastewater is safe and would meet, quote, drinking water standards before being discharged by the village. He also reiterated that the wastewater would be treated twice, once by Norfolk Southern and again by the village, before being released into Leslie Run. In August, when Wolf first presented the proposal, the plans called for a series of pumps and hard tap into the village's sanitary lines by Norfolk Southern. God, it's crazy. Directed, you're allowing this corporation access to the to the 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 civilian water pot. I mean, that I, this blows my mind. Now, look, I'm not suggesting that they're capable. Well, I shouldn't say it like that. I definitely think they're capable, but they would, you know, I don't know, cause another problem to hide the reality of the water issue they've created. But why wouldn't we add like the idea of this is like whatever the issue is. You're talking about a person who is involved in this situation. Some the guilty party. And instead of keeping them out of the of the response, you're letting them dictate it. You're even let, you're even giving them access to things that they could later further manipulate. On Monday, he said the water would be trucked in instead of still supporting instead, but still supported the idea, saying the wastewater had to be disposed of somewhere, and then he believed the village should take advantage of the opportunity to make money, right. Well, it's got to go somewhere, so let's just dump it right back into the area that's currently still suffering so this state can make some money. Now, why do we think that's going to benefit the average person? However, all of the public comments offered at the meeting were, of course, against the proposal. And some went as far as accusing them of putting profits over people and subscribing to the same way of thinking that many believe led to the derailment to begin with. Okay, so do you really believe 
that seeing as how everybody said no, that they're going to go, okay, we won't do it. No. Things have already been exchanged. This is already happening. That's my point. This will be done no matter what they want. It says, quote, we keep talking about monetary gains, but what about the people? This community has already been traumatized and this is re-traumatizing them. This is a mental health worker who's been working with the residents to navigate through what they've been dealing with. It says, quote, you've said multiple times in this meeting that it's about profits. I don't care about the money. I care about the community and what the people here have been through. Haven't they been through enough? I care about the trauma, he says. Of course, Scott Wolf dismissed these concerns and asked Conrad if he currently pays a water bill. Because it's think about how insulting that response is. So everybody, including the people that were there from local and, and the people that actually pay their water bills, or I think Chad's just somebody who's not in exactly that area, they all said the same thing. So all he does when being put on the spot about how they only care about profit is to go, but the profit. I mean, really take stock of that. He goes, you don't pay a water bill. Well, residents who pay a water bill might care about the profits, even though the rest of them are saying we don't care about the profits. That was a statement to go on this article or, or the, the media that covers what happens. He says, this prevents a lot of rate increases for future mandates that we are given through the Ohio EPA. Oh, wait a minute. So it won't reduce their bill. It might just potentially reduce in future increases. Do you see how inherently dishonest this is? So you're telling them you're going to do this for nothing. You benefit for sure. They just might not have an increase in their bill. That's like saying that, well, you would have, thank God you got it because it would have been worse. It's how, how do we know that's even real if nothing ultimately changes? And if it gets it increases, you go, well, it would have increased more. The, mon the money generated through this proposal would likely keep water rates down for East Palestine residents, its article says, but that didn't change the narrative coming from the other residents in the room. So all Wolf could do was go, but the profits, and they don't care about that. So you, you get it? This, the, the indication of what they really care about here? And the point here, saying it's as safe as drinking water standards when they haven't even tested for dioxins in this process does not make you feel better. And the reality is that they've lied to you multiple times about any of the things they're testing. So I don't know why we would believe what they're doing now, especially since this is Norfolk Southern, as I spoke to Heather from the Three Rivers uh, 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 Defenders, as I, I think that was what it was called, they had a quote down here. The Three Rivers Water Keeper, excuse me. The problem here is that what Norfolk Southern is sending. One of the some of the residents are saying that they don't have the ability currently, which they can rectify, to test whether or not it's even meeting the standards Norfolk Southern claims it is. And they have they don't seem to give any indication that they even care about that. So they're more than happy to take at face value the argument from the person trying to cover up the story to be used that goes right back into the river that will end up in drinking water. It's like they're, again, it's like they're trying to cause this problem. It says uh, the money generated through the proposal will likely keep. I read that one resident asked Wolf if there was vinyl chloride in the water that the village was considering discharging. Very simple. Is there vinyl chloride in that water? Wolf insisted there was not, which prompted the resident to ask, well, where did it go? Fair question, right? So it's not like it just vanishes. They're removing, the argument is they're removing that, which by the way, is in East Palestine. That's the important part. This is Norfolk Southern. They claim doing this treatment 
as a railroad company, because that makes sense, in East Palestine. And so he goes, well, okay, then what happened at the vinyl chloride? Wolf replied that he didn't know. I, and says, I know you don't. That's what he said. Why should we take the water if we don't know what's in it? Seems like a valid question. So we can send it downstream to the other city? I don't think it's right. We didn't ask for it. Ship it away. They brought it to us. Let them get rid of it. It's only fair. Like, this is what the people are actually saying. They don't care. If the village approves this, does it not? And this is, the, this is again, not the people. When they say the village, they're talking about East Palestine. Does it not take the burden of liability off Norfolk Southern? Say five years from now, if someone's well leaches downstream and gets contaminated and someone gets sick from it and someone dies from it, are they going to come back to the village or to Norfolk Southern? I think it takes the liability off Norfolk Southern and puts it all on East Palestine. And again, let's not forget, what about the other angles of this? The water being dumped up here in, in the you know uh, uh, south of East Palestine or down there. That also ends up going eventually going into the river. It finishes by saying reports of construction on the temporary water treatment plant were confirmed by the EPA in May. That's the one I was showing you and explained that an on-site treatment of derailment wastewater would quote, make it non-hazardous so that it could be potentially disposed of at more facilities and removed from the site more safely and efficiently. The plant began operations in September. Now, according to Heather from the uh, uh, three rivers, water keepers, they're planning on using the actual official location of the municipality, the, the, the processing plant for, for the water. That this was a temporary setup for Norfolk Southern, and they're planning on using this other one. Which, again, seems to completely overlap this with potential aspects of drinking water processing and so on. But either way, overall, I just can't even believe this is still happening. Let's not, I mean, let's not forget Flint, Michigan is still suffering from the same thing that Flint, Flint uh, led their water. If we and if we all seem to kind of know that and just go, oh yeah, that old story, it shows you that we care more about our team sport politics game, you know, news video game than we do about caring about the outcome of these stories. Be better is what we need to do because this can't be okay. We can't allow them to knowingly lie, and they can see that we know they're lying, and we just kind of go, oh, okay, what's on the what's on the next story? What are we supposed to be outraged about today? Just sad, and and the problem is, and again. We can prove to you, and if you, these are important shows. I have these groups on the phone talking to these, these, these facilities, and they admit on the phone that they do not have the ability to deal with what we, in this show, prove is in what they're sending. But of course, in an honest world, that would be huge worldwide news, but not in a game that doesn't allow nonpartisan objective people to, to play. But then even also ask yourself, well, this is public, right? Why didn't Laura Loomer pretend to break this story? Why didn't Tucker Carlson or any of the rest of them? Because they're not supposed to, in my opinion. Or at the very least, it's just not in their interest because it's not something that aligns with their agenda. The point is, this should be gigantic. Listen to it for yourself. I have them had red-handed. And I followed up and did it with all the rest of them, too. Clean Harbor's Waste Disposal Ohio Scandal. And uh, I forget it. I'm forgetting the other guy's name. One of the other experts I spoke to uh, was Stephen. Uh, I forget his name. Remind me in the chat what his last name was. One of the other experts that was doing the research in Ohio. He's the one that called, that said Clean Harbors is acutely connected with this story. And again, the largest point. Investigation found that East Palestine's controlled burn, which wasn't controlled, was unnecessary. This was in a court 
decision. They ruled that it was unnecessary. Why? Because it turned out that it was he, but Norfolk Shaw himself spoke to the experts that told him, quote, it was highly unlikely this was going to explode. Which, by the way, was the entire reason that they did the supposed dump and burn. Because they said it was going to explode. Their experts said it was likely not going to. And guess what Norfolk Southern, Shaw in particular, left out when he spoke to the volunteer fire chief. The only thing that seemed to matter in regard to whether or not they should do the most dangerous thing that seems to have ever happened in East Palestine. Why did they do that? Right? Why did they choose to bury what was there and run the train away only to dig it back up and deal with what was under the tracks? What was going on here? What were they covering up? What actually happened? The, only, the thing we know for sure is that they, they're caught. But there's no real accountability arm in this country to do anything about it because they're one and the same. It's very sad. And just to end on that horrible point again, Norfolk Southern, as of four days ago, has said they're going to end the relocation aid. Right, So as there's still people getting bloody noses, and I guarantee there's cancers developing based on what we're dealing with, but nausea, headaches, rashes on your face after a year, people let, people are living elsewhere because they know this is happening. There's people that say they come back inside their house and like because of 14,000% increase in a very dangerous chemical, and they get sick and they get nauseous. So they're, they're paying for them to live somewhere else, which is what they swore they would do. And they just said, well, we're done. On the anniversary of one year past this, by the way, which they're still dealing with. So imagine that they're still dealing with this process and they're already yanking the funding because they know you're not paying attention for the most part. Norfolk Southern to end the relocation aid right after one year anniversary. Merry Christmas. This is very sad. Now, on this point in general, CDC getting sick in East Palestine, we talked about this on March 31st, 2023. We'll also discuss in this episode the kill switch. A conversation about what this might mean <clears throat> and the conversation of the possibility of maybe something that could be released after a priming agent that could trigger something, should they choose to, that would you know take somebody out. Now, these are very real things. <clears throat> and the conversation in this episode is about a very real conversation of like an intelligence element to be used. But I want to talk about this in the conversation of yeah, more of a broad sense. This is more of just a segue, but I want you to think about the conversation of how these things can be applied in biological aspects and vaccinations or other sorts of secondary agents or even like you know technological smart dust kind of conversations, which really do overlap. Just think about what they're capable of and what they're doing and the covering up of the story and whether or not the release of what happened there or anywhere else might be overlapped. But talking about this story. Oh, actually, excuse me. I probably should have started with the other one. This story is what I'm going to get to. The kill switch in regard to your vehicles, which just shows you how overwhelming this is all getting, the technological invasiveness and how they're pushing in to control, stop, sensor, completely, what's the right word for it, influence what you're able to do and say across the board. And it's not just an act in this sense, driving. First of all, this is just Chief Nerd reported that the peer-reviewed Japanese study published in the Serious Journal on December 7th looked at the association between COVID injections and death within 10 days of vaccination, which again, we've probably shown you four studies or multiple data points that make this case, but it's still important to make sure you see that it's only continued. The risk period was defined as within 10 days of vaccination, with vaccination being day one, 
and the control period defined as 11 to 180 days after vaccination. The percentage of reported cases that experience death within 10 days, 71%. And let's not forget, they had a 14-day window where everything got called unvaccinated. And that's why they did it. Because their early work showed them that there was a problem that happened very early. We went over this acutely with the, the, the Alberta study that came out that proved that the vast, I think it was 80 to 80 something percent of all cases, hospitalizations, and death happened within the first 14 days. Here you go. A peer-reviewed study that is proving to you, and this is the Epoch Times article, but the, the study link and the information are in the article itself. The reality being that this is obvious. The injections were undeniably killing people immediately, and they knew that and covered it up. Not really a kill switch, but it's definitely killing somebody. So at this point, these are the same people that are now arguing that they want to take control of your ability to drive your car or who knows what else in the technological direction this is going. As Thomas Massey talks about, juror and the executioner, uh, he presses the, this is the people involved with this whole discussion. Here's the actual video if you want to listen to it. But all he's really doing is calling out the obvious, the reality. that There's all sorts of false positives, they call it in this interesting terminology overlap, in how they, you know, somebody could be, they think they might be drunk, so they are able to kill the switch. And this comes from a government level, mind you, or rather at the very least a police level. And what happens when that's not justified? What happens when it's a mistake and somebody's stranded and somebody gets hurt? Or the obvious point of what happens when it's abused, which is likely how what would immediately start happening, right? A police officer wants to stop their girlfriend or, you know, this kind of stuff. Or the obviously more nefarious realities that instead of a kill switch, it could be turned off in a dangerous moment where you can be killed. Or we can talk about the WikiLeaks Vault 7 discussions about how these things can, the driving cars can be remotely accessed and people can be killed that way. This is all of this begins to show you if, even if you think all this stuff is potentially in your best interest, that we're giving it in to, to the bad, the, the provably dishonest people that seem to want to kill you or seem to want to, at the very least do things that they know might hurt you, but please take control of everything we are accessing and what we can do and how far we can drive. And I mean, everything. Even the city conversation, like every aspect of this is about controlling your life and what you're able to do. Amazon <laughs> piss jugs, I guess his name writes, lesser of two evils. ACLU, the White House just released an immigration proposal that would increase mandatory detention and create a new system allowing mass deportations without due process. Of course, the point is just adding to the fear and concern and conversation from the right about the immigration problem. You know, the, the real point about uh, weaponized immigration, migration which is used by every side of every political spectrum. But the interesting part about this, thank you to We All Hearts for pointing this out, is we just talked about this. And this is the other side of the coin that they're not talking about in that conversation, that they're also using this push to justify the digital IDs, the digital infrastructure. Because of course, because bad Hamas might come in from the South. So we have to make sure you all have digital IDs to make it. Yeah, it, it'll be much more tactful than that, maybe. <laughs> I'm willing to bet you that a lot of the high level right-wing pundits will fall for it or, you know, go along with the narrative like they usually do. And all of a sudden it'll be good to have a digital ID because bad guy, people coming from the South or whatever the narrative becomes. I'm very on guard for this. I talked about this yesterday in the beginning via cyber attack, immigration or vaccination. Your digital ID is coming very real. And they're openly telling you that right now in the EU and the U S they're rationalizing these very same concepts because of immigration. And tomorrow it might be for something else. But the point is, it's always what they're trying to use. Or rather, they're using everything to try to rationalize that point. 
Now, lastly, the House recently voted in favor of the NDAA, which is always these things are it's just a dumping catch all for basically all the horrible things. They always recircle around, including things like the Patriot Act or the uh, ability to spy on you or the FISA warrant. All these things just keep rolling these things around to surveil Americans without a warrant. You know, that big, huge story we all were aghast about until we didn't do anything about it and all just became normal. The NSA is not spying on you. Oh, yeah, they are, but it's for your best interest. Okay, shut up. Go back to sleep. Right? Like, like so they lied about it. We know they lied about it. We ca- caught them lying about it. That just turned into, well, but it's okay, though, for your safety. And they it, literally, like, it just kept happening. Your phones, your microphones on your phones, your computers, like it's all very real. They openly admitted to it only when we have a warrant, but then we realized the warrants were being given for just about anything. It's just willful ignorance. And I'm telling you, the people in the party paradigms don't seem to care about this when it matters, but this all rolls back around. And uh, things like the the Smith-Mutt Modernization Act and all these different things, they always shoehorn into this over the years. All the spying stuff under Obama, the stuff under Trump as well, it's always chipping away at what we pretend is our freedom in this country. On that very note, they're also just continuing to steal it from people they're occupying. Now, let's remember this. doesn't matter what your opinion is. The reality of the law is that it, the United States is occupying Syria illegally. Now, even ultimately, even based on their own narrative, they also admit that. Not, not stated as that, but when they say, well, it's we pass a law that says that we have to go after the who's responsible for 9-11, and then we ultimately mission creep that into being anywhere we say they might have later become present, that doesn't then, one, somehow make you able to circumvent congressional approval, which was never given, or the fact that what you're doing is illegal under international law, whether or not you say in your country you have some legal right to go after them wherever they are. So that's my point. So they just say, well, we're going after this or or today it's about Iran. The point is that it is always and undeniably just like Gaza or all of Palestine illegally occupied. So the point is that they all know that. And plenty of members of Congress have stood up and, and cried foul about how we never, you never requested permission. And by the way, they never do anymore at all because they all seem to go along with that. People like Lindsey Graham are all just happy as hell about continually unfettered war. You know, it's funny how we talk about the forever wars. And all the people that were moments ago screaming about how that's bad are now casually allowing the same thing to get even worse. But on December 7th, they voted and the Senate rejected a motion to consider a resolution on withdrawing troops from Syria. This is the video on the, on the C-SPAN if you want to watch it on C-SPAN. But here's the resolution. <clears throat> a joint resolution directing the removal of U.S. forces from Syria. But wait a minute. Didn't Trump make us leave? I thought we already left, huh? Sure, there's somebody out there that still believes that Trump got us out of Syria. You still hear those ridiculous talking points. No, he just said that many times. Nothing actually happened. In fact, what really happened was he said that over and over. And then just like I predicted, it was like, oh, a thing just happened. Now we have to go back in. Oh, and just out of curiosity, was that thing carried out by your proxies? But oh, we don't even ask those questions anymore. Or maybe Trump didn't even know that. Maybe Trump was always being cowed along by the people he brought into his cabinet because insiders know how to fight the inside. Or they abuse you like the rest of the insiders. The point was, they put this forward to say, look, let's, let's, or I should finish reading what it says. A joint resolution directed, directing the removal of U.S. armed forces from hostilities in Syria 
that have not been authorized by Congress. So that's important that it states that. So this is the very body who's supposed to authorize this, who did not, who should feel upset about that. How dare we still be in this location, White House, even though we never approved that, which is supposed to be the only way it happens. And they voted it down anyway. Just shows you the reality of this. Also, when you read it, removal of of U.S. armed forces from hostilities, I guarantee you will make, will become, well, on Tom's base is about something, is about, Something else, right? It'll be like, we're not involved. We're only there at a at a supporting mission, whatever. This is a game they play. Same thing I said about Israel. Same thing I said about Ukraine until you get images of them fighting on the front lines, right? It's always how this goes. So even that, by the way, is almost designed to maintain the occupation, but give you a political win. Either way, the point is, even this half-watered thing still got aggressively voted down by 84 of the people. 13 were the ones that said, yes, we should leave. Three of them not voting, which is just equally cowardly, unless they, for some reason, they weren't there. But people like Sanders voted yes. Obviously, Paul, who's responsible for the bill. The vast majority voted no. Not only then acknowledging that it's okay that you don't ask Congress for approval to go to war, which never happens anymore, but also that you're okay with the continuation of the illegal occupation of Syria and the theft of their oil and wheat and everything else that we know is happening. That's the current reality, guys. And here's a couple of videos for you. We did leave soldiers because we're keeping the oil. I like oil. We're keeping the oil. The United States still had compelling forms of leverage on the table to shape an outcome that was more conducive and protective of U.S. interests. And we identified four. So the first one was the one-third of Syrian territory that was owned via the U.S. military with its local partner, the Syrian Democratic Forces. Now, this was a light footprint on the U.S. military, only about 1,000 troops over the course of the Syria Study Group's report. And then the tens of thousands of of forces, both Kurdish and Arab, under the Syrian Democratic Forces. And that one-third of Syria is the resource-rich, it's the economic powerhouse of Syria. So where the hydrocarbons are, which obviously is very much in the public debate here in Washington these days, as well as the agricultural powerhouse. But we argued that it wasn't just about this one-third of Syrian territory that the U.S. military and our military presence owned, both to fight ISIS and also as leverage for affecting the, the overall political process for the broader Syrian conflict. Yeah, owned, that they owned. And, you know, almost in a casual side of mention, and fighting ISIS, but also because... Yeah, fighting ISIS, surely. You mean the ISIS that Trump defeated four times? Or the ISIS that we can prove that you guys literally fund, arm, and work with, like with Hamas? The point is that you admitted that you were there, at least secondarily, in order to hinder the growth of the nation in a way that you don't like. That's a war crime, guys. There's just no way around it. It's just clumsy. It's it's like the joke we've that come become, has become prominent these days, right? When they do it, it's terrorism. and we do it, it's counterterrorism. When in reality, it's the exact same thing. There were three other areas of leverage. One is political and diplomatic isolation of the Assad regime. So holding the line on diplomatic isolation, preventing embassies from going back into Damascus. But I thought you were fighting ISIS. They, you know, mission creep, right? It gets turned into whatever you want to argue it is. Suddenly we got to stop Assad because he works with Iran and Israel is like Iran. But what's, what's about ISIS? Well, they all work with ISIS, so just shut up. Two is the economic sanctions architecture. So some of this is part of the maximum pressure campaign of the Trump administration on Iran, but there's a whole suite of both executive and congressional sanctions 
on Syria and Bashar al-Assad, both for human rights abuses in Syria and to the backers of Assad for their activities on support in support of him in Syria. Isn't that funny? So it all boils down to what they allege he committed, most of which has been proven to be committed by rebels that are backed by the West, which is usually how this goes. And people are finally starting to realize that. And so you sanction him based on lies. And again, I'm not arguing he's a Mr. Altruistic hero, but he's quite a bit better than what we can currently see our government's doing. I'll tell you that right now. But I think all governments are capable of all sorts of the same crimes we're talking about. My point, though, is that historically you can prove that the only things they claim are the are the, are the they all come from Western manipulated allegations. And if you talk to people like Vanessa Bealey and Eva Bartlett and different people that have worked there, or someone like Robert Fisk, for that matter, who went there on the ground and proved the lie about the chemical weapons attack was, in fact, a lie. The point is that's interesting. They go from that to go anybody else anywhere that helped him is also now getting sanctioned for. So you just make an allegation and just start trickling down sanctions to anybody like and that what that does is it creates the illusion of some kind of accountability network. And look, and now he's been sanctioned and now this per and now this person has sanctioned and he's working with them. So therefore, now he's a terrorist. All of it stemming from unprovable allegations or, in fact, debunked allegations. From early, going back to Carlo Del Ponte from the UN, one of the earliest allegations that we remember in this whole Syria conflict about the chemical weapons use, where she said on the record, we did our investigation and it turned out the rebels were the ones that used them. They, they just went right back to saying that was Assad and they never do. Nikki Haley still says that. Even though she did the investigation, Carlo Del Ponte from the UN said, nope, it wasn't them. It was, a, it was the rebels who we now know were backed by the West. So it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's just so right there on the surface. The point is they're continuing to occupy the territory because they want to steal the wealth and they want to hinder what this country does until they can control its outcome. It has nothing to do with what's right or safety or human rights or rules-based international order that they literally are making fun of right now with everything happening in Gaza. And let's not forget this bill put forward by Tulsi Gabbard, Stop Arming Terrorists Act. Now, you might be thinking, oh, well, it must be some kind of surreptitious left wing thing, blah, blah, whatever. Maybe, maybe. Until you read it and go, oh, it's very simple. The bill prohibits the use of federal agency funds to provide covered assistance to Al-Qaeda, Jabhat Fatal al-Sham, the Islamic State of Iraq, and the Levant, ISIL, or any individual or group that is affiliated with, associated with, cooperating with, or adherence to such groups, or the government of any country that the Office of the Director of National Intelligence determines has, with the most recent 12 months, provided covered assistance to such groups. Pretty simple, right? So if this was real and our government was truly trying to stop these bad guys, well, this would have been like a no-brainer, right? Well, obviously, let's stop. Nobody should be funding our enemies. Except it didn't happen. You know why? Because literally all the people that this would cover are the people that they're working with including things that are on the surface level, like Saudi Arabia, who literally the, the very special brand of Wahhabism that has become the basis for pretty much all of the war on terror bad guys comes from Saudi Arabia. An open authoritarian, tech, uh, authoritarian dictatorship. So they're probably worried that somebody, maybe next year or next, next Congress, they're going to say, oh, well, we don't like Saudi Arabia. So the point is that they said no, because this is make it as simple as possible because they're working with these groups. 
They're funding these groups. They've created these groups. So whether Tulsi Gabbard was just a genuine effort here to do this, I mean, you know, yeah, people have all sorts of opinions about her. The point is the fact that they chose to not let this happen reveals the truth of what our government truly is. And as well as the one we just went over, guys, it's just as obvious as that. And as I've said, going back as far as you want to look to the, actually I had a great conversation with Richard Willett this, today. It's probably going to come out next week. One of the things we talked about was the, the Zionist influence over the U.S. government. And as I've said many times, if you want to take right now, take, take congress.gov and search the whole body of work, all or rather, right over to say that all of the current legislation in process and just search for the word Israel and you will be shocked. Last time I looked, I saw what appeared to be pretty much half of what I was looking at at any given moment involved Israel in some way. Despite the fact that it had to do with some kind of local, you know, canine legislation about some local state. I mean, like I'm making a joke, but really that crazy. It's like having the aid for people after Hurricane Harvey literally requiring them not to boycott Israel or they wouldn't get aid from the state of Texas. That's the kind of influence we're talking about. And it's just that obvious when you realize that your government is acting in the interest of foreign governments and it's not China or Russia at your expense every single day. Now, in general, we're at about an hour and 39. We talk, I'm going to get into this next, I'm probably just going to talk about this next point here in regard to, oh, these, and then the next discussion and probably wrap there just because I wanted to make sure we got to it. But I, I wanted to make sure we took our time on this topic to start with because it's important, but we will get into some more discussion around all these tabs down here in regard to more evidence showing you October 7th. I mean, this just continues to go. It's just overflowing overflowing. We already showed you this one. Israel admits to immense amount of friendly fire on October 7th. It's from Ynet News. One-fifth of the top fatalities in Gaza due to friendly fire. It's incredible. People are still calling that fake news, even people in the Israeli government. People admitting that, yes, they saw tanks fire on civilians. Or them starting to grudgingly admit from Haaretz that, yeah, they used the Hannibal Directive. Well, in this case, they're just saying, if they did, we need to know about it now. So it's openly being discussed. And this is the colonel that did admit on the record that, yeah, this was called a mass Hannibal. Right? I mean, it's just, it's just on and on. It's crazy. Now, we'll see if we have more time to get into some of this. This was one that I wanted to discuss. I mean, I'll just, I'll mention this so you guys hear it, but we'll come back to it if we don't get into it. That there's a lot of misinformation flying around. We talked about this one that was misspelled and written in an only Hebrew school, as Kim Iverson points out. And it simply says, free Gaza, kill Jews. Allah Akbar, which should be all it with a U. People are faking this stuff in order to sell you on a narrative they want. This doesn't mean there aren't people that don't think that, whether Palestinian or otherwise. No one's no one's arguing that. It's like saying when we say for free Palestine, we're arguing we should annihilate Israel. I don't know anybody saying that. I'm sure they exist, but I don't know anybody actually saying that. They're the ones calling for free Palestine are the ones calling for a two-state solution. You know, the opposite of what Israel's now admitting they've ever wanted, as they are. They're admitting this openly now. But this was the point I was going to talk about. There was this whole gas the Jews argument that was, they said it was in Australia and they were screaming and chanting this. Well, guess what? Turns out that the research shows that it wasn't actually true. Turns out that the research showed based on the video breakdown that it actually was audio that was overlapped and manipulated to which suggest this was a fraud. And it's not to say that that means that people wouldn't say that. It just seems that see, and this comes from the specific Australian Jewish Association group, which when asked for more evidence, re refused to give anything else seems like there's a lot of this happening. 
lying for your truth, right? So let's start really quickly in this. Make sure you didn't miss these. And that's the point that I was saying about the two-state solution. First, this one, if you didn't see it, after they vetoed the last ceasefire, they voted again after, I think it was resolution or something, 377, if I remember correctly. Even the way the point was they forced another vote without, without a ceasefire and they voted for a ceasefire. And my point was, well, the only question now is whether Israel will care. This was on the 12th. It's the 14th. So can we clearly acknowledge that Israel doesn't care what the UN votes for as they try to use the UN against anybody else they want to? They voted for a ceasefire. Didn't care. Now, also, Biden's openly stated that Israel doesn't want a two-state solution. But it's also been acknowledged even by Israel's representatives. And I believe this was, um, let's see, this was the Minister of Communications of the Knesset, part of Netanyahu's own party. Here's what he says. The historical estate of our ancestors, no, there will be no Palestinian state here. We will never allow another state to be established between the Jordan and the sea. Almost mocking the whole idea that that's supposed to be genocide if they say it and you're Palestinian. But this is the point. I've been telling you this forever. You think they just suddenly came to this conclusion? They've never, ever been allowing this. Ever. They've always pretended like it was possible and blamed the Palestinians. Here is one of the other individuals. What was her name again? Uh, Tzipi Hatovli. She was one of the ones that is provably lying about the rape allegations because she cites sort many things that we've, the, the gray zone in, in particular has broken down as provable lies. Maybe she doesn't know. Maybe she's repeating what she was told. I don't know. But we can prove many things she said weren't true. And now here she is saying on the record, when asked directly by Sky News, will you allow a two-state solution? The answer is absolutely no, she says. The Israeli ambassador to London. And Sarah Abdallah points out that now, as of the 12th anyway, over 9,000 children have been killed. That amounts to about 150 a day. I, oh, funny, that reminds me of something I forgot to say. Getting into the amount of money that they gave, it was in the, oh, you know what? I'm pretty sure we skipped a part of that article. Anyway, I'm not going to go back to it. Not that it's it's totally disjointed now, but Norfolk Southern was arguing that they gave, you know, $21 million to just to the residents. And the point is, if you do the math on that, based on the residents of East Palestine, it breaks down to about $4,000 a person. But that's them doing their job, right? That's them taking care of the community. No, they're obviously lying. Same kind of game here, right? Acting like you're doing everything you can to avoid civilians while killing 9,000 children in over 50 days. Nobody is confused about what this is. And here, just in case you were confused about why they're doing it, here's Avigdor Lieberman writing for the Times of Israel. Innocents in Gaza? Don't be naive. Some will say Gazans are too afraid of Hamas to voice condemnation, but it's clear there's massive support. Oh, is it clear? Hardly. It's not even remotely clear on that. All they point to are the elections, which was 17 years ago when most people were barely even old enough to vote. And on top of that, it was a plurality, not a majority. It was only 43% that voted for them, which is not the majority then. So you're long about that. But on top of that, you know how much has changed since then? And realize that Netanyahu has been provably exposed for funding the group even then, as was part of the plan. Which I did think I put right here. Yeah. Here's just Haaretz proving this two days afterward. Anyone that wants to thwart the state that we pretend we want needs to transfer money to Hamas. This is part of our strategy. That's Netanyahu in 2019. It's on the record. So when they say this, first of all, realize that 
they made this the reality, but secondarily, where are they supposed to go? Right. Voice their condemnation and then flee inside the controlled area that they're in that they can't leave from. It's just all of this is based on knowing that they assuming that you don't understand the situation, playing on the ignorance of the average person. They have created this and then said, you're all guilty because we put you in that prison that you can't flee from and made sure that party was in power that you pretend is your responsibility, funded them, made sure there was division, made sure the West Bank was, you know, this is what is on the record. That's in the Heretz article. You can read for yourself. And again, if it, as if we needed to know any more, emphasis is on damage, not accuracy. As I keep reciting, pointing out from all the way back in December, October 10th, excuse me. So yeah, don't be naive. There's nobody innocent. Yeah, you know, we get that from what you're doing. You don't care. Got that. Damage, not accuracy. We understand. You don't think there's anybody but, well, rather put, you don't think you're trying to go after all Palestinians. And you conflate everything there as all bad guys because of what you've made clear from the very beginning that there is nobody innocent there. And here is what this looks like. This is, this is, thank you for Rich People Weekly from sharing this. As he says, this is what ethnic cleansing looks like. So this is the port of Gaza before. This is just terrifyingly sad. Now it's what it looks like today. I guess every single one of these areas were Hamas installations, right? Or they're trying to destroy all of Palestine. It's very obvious. And of course, just to add to this, right? As we keep telling you, they tell them to go to the safe area and they bomb that area. This is Rafa, right? We're talking about the area they're supposed to be going to to be able to flee through the crossing, which they also have bombed numerous times. They told people to flee south to Gaza and they bombed them on the way. They bombed them where they went. They bombed them where they were. But it's all their fault. And this is the image I used today, which just simply shows you how much they've lost control of this. Joe Biden's own staff are literally protesting outside the White House, demanding an end to gen the Israel's genocide in Gaza. President Biden, your staff demands a ceasefire. It's just incredible. Like, if you think it's all about, I mean, look, how can you not see how obvious the Zionist influence is over Biden's policy? Why in the world before an election would this person basically side with the Republicans? Think about that for a second. Or rather, I should be more clear about specifically the two-party illusionist, radical, evangelical Republican, which I, I honestly think most people see this right now, as I've said, same thing I've said in past agendas. Left or right, or aware of the illusion, definitely see what's good. You can't ignore this genocide. It's obvious, which is why they've lost control of this. And Jonathan Cook writes, ex-ambassador Craig Murray says, Yesterday I attended a session called by Palestine at the United Nations in Geneva. Over 120 states attended. While the formal session consisted of statements of national position with few surprises, I was able to discuss with a large number of delegates in the corridors why the genocide convention has not been activated. This is actually really important, triggering a reference to the International Court of Justice. The answer is now clear to me, he says. If it is not that people are, it is, it is not that people are worried that a claim of genocide will not be successful at the International Criminal Justice, Criminal International Court of Justice. It is that everybody is quite sure it will succeed. There is no respectable argument that this is not genocide. The problem is that once the ICJ has determined that this is genocide, 
it follows that not only are Netanyahu and hundreds of senior Israeli officials and military personality liable, per, personally, yeah, pers personally liable, but it is absolutely plain that genocide Joe Biden, Sunak, and members of their administrations are also criminally liable for complicity, having provided military support for the genocide. It doesn't matter how much Biden, like over the last few days, is desperately trying to plant the narrative that he's, you know, they're bombing indiscriminately. He just said that. Think about allowing genocide and murder of children for 50, 60 days, and then after that go, oh, now they're bombing indiscriminately. I mean, he screwed himself by even saying that. So how was exactly that they were, quote, doing everything they were capable of to diminish civilian casualties, but now they're bombing indiscriminately? They didn't change their bombing style. So either they were always bombing indiscriminately, which is the truth, or you just admitted you were lying. This is desperate, guys. This is desperation. This is not a joke. The, the, the reality of this, by the way, which I'll go ahead and tell you, I think is quite frankly impossible that they'll ever let this happen. There's far too many powerful people in positions of government to ever let this actually happen. There's too much power there for them. They'll just lean into this and say no, like, or just not allow it because there's no real arm, which I don't think there should be a mechanism, like legal, physical action to force these people. But what's interesting is nonetheless, they're still worried about this, whether it's a loss of power, reputation, or even maybe the slim chance that maybe this will amount to one of them going to jail. The point is that we all see them plainly. And this is the thing I keep saying about the people online that are pushing this, like the Eli Davids of the world. They're getting a lot of attention because of algorithms and because people that are desperate. But the point is, think about what he's done to anything he'll ever do from now on, unless it's related to Israel. I mean, that gives drowned himself in his own lies. It says the International Criminal Court cannot ignore a judgment of genocide from the International Court of Justice and will have no choice but to issue arrest warrants which again, I argue will never go anywhere if you're arresting, issuing arrest warrants for the West, collective West, right? But it's still important that we see it and they know that we see it. Now think about all these people acting like, it's not genocide, you don't understand. When the reality is internally, they're like, yeah, it's obviously genocide. And even Biden's like, stop murdering everybody. Just think about how ignorant that is when the Elis and Ben Shapiro's and Dave Rubens are out there going, you're wrong. It's clearly justified international law. It's like, you have lost any reputation you might have had. Now, one last little point before we finish with this last segment. I just thought this was fascinating. Just a complete hypothesis, or rather just a, a guess, really, which is kind of the same thing. So this is a, an image that was being shown. A young man carrying the body of a martyred girl, basically just a girl killed by Israeli bombings in the rain and in the midst of the torrents of water that flooded the Jablia the camp. Like, look at this, guys. It's crazy. And so, of course, that means that all of the filth and all of the different problems are going to spread around the sewage. And so people are going to get sick. It's almost a guarantee at this point. My point is, has it always done this? Right? There's been rain. So I, I don't know, actually. So my point is, if this has always happened in these areas, every year when it rains like this in Gaza, then then moot point, then I'm, then I'm wrong. I think it's interesting that I don't remember this being or and why this would be the my point is I don't think this is what usually happens. And I'm simply asking the question of why all of a sudden this rain flood has happened so dramatically. And then I went, wait a minute, what did they just say they were doing right before this happened? Flooding it all with seawater. I was like, wait a minute, that's pretty interesting. So it's just an interesting overlap that maybe we're watching this happen under the cover of the rain, 
to make sure that this floods and everybody gets dramatically ill, right? That Because that's what will happen. Just a thought. Also, think of the timing, right? So I made this clear. This, this is Eli David on the 5th saying, they're breaking the first images of them pumping water. No, it wasn't. We showed you this right away. They started doing this right after it was discussed. And weirdly enough, none of the corporate media followed up within the three, four days that followed with, okay, and now they're doing it. And none of these people said this until they stated they were doing it. And there was like a five-day window there. So my point is it's weird that they all simultaneously were like, now it started, right? In any case, just consider that. The kind of surreptitious or deliberately like vindictive action that we've seen by the Israelis, the government in particular, and the IDF is what I'm talking about, and whether this might be deliberate, which would then again add one more point to the reality of how it's all Palestine and not just Gaza, or specifically Hamas, I mean. Now, this is the point I want to end with. Now, we've talked about this already briefly a couple times, and this is the discussion of, of these people that were arrested, stripped, uh, 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 blindfolded. And by the way, I didn't go into this today. I, pu I pulled it off, actually. But there is provable evidence that mul there was multiple women that were, in some of these cases, included, which, by the way, were also basically stripped down. Not the same, but to the degree that is, what's the right word for it? Not embarrassing. Like, it violates what they believe, right? Like, doing it intentionally. Like, so basically, from a, from a Muslim perspective, people are framing it as a sexual violation. Obviously, from the West, you might not think not having your hijab or your cover or whatever, that that's, but it's not for you to decide. The point is it means a lot to them, and a lot of these women aren't doing this because they're being forced to. Yes, a lot of them are, but there's plenty of conversation about some of this being what they believe is what you know their religion and some of them doing it as a protest, specifically for the, I'm talking about the Iranian hijab conversation, right? That's why I included that. But my point is that there's different religions and different things they think are sacred and important. It's not for us to decide. The point is that there are examples of women that were half stripped down and blindfolded along with the men. Just for those arguments, they go, where's all the women? Trying to make the point that it's like that somehow proves that these were all terrorists. That's the kind of clumsy, fact-free arguments people like Eli David like to make. Now, the point here, though, as Dan Cohen has just revealed today, as I was already telling you that these were civilians, Israel's Defense Magazine has already has admitted that these were civilians, all of them. And here's the article. Thank you, Dan, for doing excellent work. This is from Israel Defense. And all it says here is it gets into the area we're discussing. And it says, in areas north of the Gaza River, which we're talking about, which the IDF had called on civilians to evacuate. Okay. So just because they call on them to evacuate does not mean they're legally have to oblige. Doesn't matter how belligerent and violent and I mean, Israel's going to do what they're going to do anyway. If we already know they're bombing where they are, where they're going to go, where they're going on the way, and where they're supposed to leave from, these people already know this. Just because your Western media and the sycophants on Twitter pretend like it's their fault for staying in their own locations, it does not make them guilty by being there. On top of the fact that it's just as possible as well that they don't know what's going on. It's already been proven that this is not being done the right way. Amnesty International has proven that. They bombed civilians without any notification. They bombed entire buildings after telling one person on the street and then bombing minutes later. They'd have no, no concern for these people. The point is that they say, well, we called on them to evacuate. Then it says anyone present in those areas is likely to be considered a Hamas operative, even if they are not 
directly affiliated with Hamas, but have chosen not to leave. So that's all they're making it very clear. We created the dynamic, which it's it's like the same analogy I've used before. Oh, the under Obama, which by the way, still used, they made the re the, they made the point to say that if we bomb an area, whoever's there are combatants because we bombed there. Doesn't matter if it's a it's an infant or a 75-year-old man, they're combatants because they were where we bombed. Now that got exposed, and it was like, well, that's outrageous, but it still happened. Same point here. You can't just go, if you're there, we deem you Hamas, because that's just another way you make everybody there Hamas. That's how this works. You're either a terrorist supporter, you're either a human shield, or what was the other one? Now I'm forgetting. I, you get the point. There's another third option I forget now. The point was they've created a dynamic where no matter what they do, they're they're become a military target in the eyes of Israel, even though legally that's not even sound, as experts have spoken out about. So now that we're very clear about the fact that these people are just <clears throat> in the wrong place at the wrong time for living in their homes, Alan McLeod has pointed out on the 11th, the IDF has even now admitted that even 85% of them were not actually Hamas. Again, knowing that we know that most of them, if not all of them, are not. This is even them walking this back after all of Twitter and all the corporate media. What did they say? The same thing we keep telling you. They said, terrorists have crawled out of their tunnels. Why? Because that's what Mossad said. That's what Mossad and Israel's government accounts and all of their sycophants said on Twitter. All of them are Hamas, and they all came out of the tunnel. Huge success for Israel. Well, turns out that's not true. Turns out they grabbed a bunch of civilians from a local school and dressed them down and then made them fake videos of giving over weapons, which we'll show you in a second. The point, though, is even they're admitting it. 10 to 15% of the detained Palestinians are affiliated with Hamas. That's not even Hamas, mind you. Now it says the IDF has quietly released almost all of the people in these photos. So what was really about creating a win when they don't have one? But my point was affiliated in the eyes of the Israeli government, which we've proven 15 times over, is simply being present in Gaza and or being a Palestinian. And guess what? They check both those boxes. They have made this clear with the rhetoric they use to claim, again, there are no innocent Palestinians, as many of them have repeatedly said. Look at that. So how can you tell me on December 4th, 10 days ago, that there is nobody innocent in this entire area, but then make an argument to me that you're doing your best to avoid civilian casualties? It's just shockingly stupid. And again, they're all considered this to them. That's the point. So Rami Abdul points out that among those attained, this was at the time, this was on the 7th, was a dear friend of his and a veteran journalist. And many people have called this out, but going on, like you all saw this going around online, people were going, well, that's my family member. That's, that's a, a doctor from the local hospital. All of them. It says he had begged him to leave to go south, but he told me he, had, he couldn't leave his dear, his dear Nada and, and his elderly mother. His daughter, Nada, is disabled and needs special care. Well, we already saw the videos of just before this where the Israeli people, the Israeli IDF were knocking people out of their wheelchairs and kicking down children in the streets. I mean, yeah, that was, that was called Tuesday. But here, Mohammed Shihada was also pointing this out, showing you, and this is the video we'll show you in a second, that's, that has been proven to be staged because they filmed it twice and accidentally released both of them. But the point was that these are more people they're identifying as not what they say they are. 
And he points out here that they filmed this twice and made mistakes and then caught one that put out the wrong video and then deleted it after the fact, which is what they just keep doing. And here's these videos. I think, let me see if I have that. I thought I did. No, it, it looks like I don't. But just really quickly, you can see the point of it is this. So you have this video. They're, they're all stripped down. Right. Which means they did that. They didn't just happen to be naked out of the building, right? They already engaged with them. They already stripped them down to humil humiliate them. And then, of course, they're going to say, well, to make sure they're not suicide bombers, which is more likely an Israeli IDF Zionist concept, really, or the war on terror US-minded concept, or their proxies of the Al-Qaeda elements, which is really where that comes from. Not to say that anybody's not capable of that, but the reality being that they already engaged with them, right? So are we to pretend that they missed a weapon and asked them to walk it out slowly? Clearly not. This is a fail. Look, I'm a, you know, a history friend. Oh, he's going to come put the gun down that he had in his underwear. How ridiculous. This is a show, guys. And by the way, it has been proven. Like, this has been broken down. It's embarrassingly obvious. And the point was, if you look at these different videos, it's different. The, the two videos are different. There's one where he's got it in the raw other hand, and there's and the one where he's got it in the other hand. This is terrible. So, as this person points out as well, the Israeli army releases footage of captured, undressed Palestinians. Israel says these are captured fighters. Million-dollar question. Why would they have weapons after they were undressed? And as Dan calls out, another day, another failed Hasbara operation. Weird how the Silicon Valley fact-checking operation always misses them. That's a great point, isn't it? You know how many of these, or from Ukraine for that matter, have been like flagrant, like dumpster fire versions of lies that are just blatant. Like even Twitter f catches them online where people are like, nope, you already deleted this and here's the evidence. And guess what? Not a single fact check. Where's NewsGuard and all this? Where yet, NewsGuard? Aren't you supposed to be fact checking all the news? My God. And this is, of course, the parody account from that I love somebody made, Benjamin Netanyahu. It looks identical besides the parody, and usually that gets cut off on your phone. People fall for it. Even right there, look, it doesn't show it. It's, it's cut off. <laughs> so people fall for this all the time. <clears throat> but it says, guys, we made a huge mistake again. Please delete the video and photos from your devices because we accidentally sent out two different versions. Pretend it never happened. We will re-upload only one version. See? See the gun in his other hand? How embarrassing, guys. I mean, it, this is childishly bad they just keep doing it and don't forget Mossad's official account or rather they've got a couple of them this is Mossad commentary which is one of their accounts over a hundred terrorists have crawled out of the tunnels oh you mean the tunnel that you call that school that you pulled them out of the building of like they just can't get not only can they just not they lie about seemingly everything which means they are deceiving you about everything but they're terrible at it it seems as this person points out and th what this says this, the, the, here's the, oh, in, this, is, oh, this is just the point I made already, showing you where it's from and the fact that it's from this school. As people prove by showing the sign in this video, by the way, that they cropped out. See this blue part right up here? They cropped, they tried to crop it out for the most part in the ones that you can see. And it, it proves that they're not in the location they claim they were. That's how bad this is. And not only did Mossad put that out, they then put it out again, showing them in this very ominous lineup right in front of a ditch which is quite obvious what that's supposed to imply, that these people are going to get shot. They didn't even put any words. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't believe they were all shot because most of them seem to have gotten arrested or uh, released, but 
the fact that they would even do that shows you the kind of mindset. I mean, this is like a junior high level kind of like flaunting the, the hint that we might murder all of them and then not. Like, who, what are we dealing with here? It's crazy. Brianna J, uh, Joy Gray writes, innocent civilians have been identified in these photographs, which now we know full, she wrote this on the 7th. Now we know it's all of them. Stripped, humiliated, abused by Israel with U.S. funding, cheered on by a lot of people. There's people on the left that are pro-Israel in the sense too. I'm not trying to get into the left-right paradigm or pretending I'm supporting all of Brianna Joy Gray's work in the Hill and everything else. But what she's saying here, I agree with. And of course, the point is, here's Dave Rubin. Happy Hanukkah. And of course, Miss, uh, I think it's Libs of TikTok, right? Chanya? Hamas terrorists are crawling out of the tunnels. Oh, where does she get that phrasing from? I wonder why. Or wonder where. It's almost like they're coordinating. I mean, it's just depressing. Even if they're not, that means she just blindly repeated what Mossad said. You realize how stupid that is? Whether or not you support Israel, that's like blindly repeating what the CIA posted today. Why does that, it only makes sense because they have an agenda. I mean, I, look, I, I used to respect Dave Rubin, but even though I disagree with a lot of the political stuff, I just always thought, found him to be very measured and, and honest, at least as it felt. But I got to tell you, man, I've never seen this much of a shift. Like even someone like Eli David, who had COVID following, right? How do you not see this? How do you not recognize whether or not you're Jewish? What in the hell is going on here? It's not like it's hard to see the lies. They're deleting their own tweets. It's, it doesn't take a, a brain surgeon to be able to recognize that they're lying about this stuff, but yet they keep going along with it. In fact, they taunt these people. They make fun of these civilians that were tortured. And whether he knew it or not, he didn't follow up and say, my bad. Of course not. This person too. Here's Eli David. Hey, hey, Antonio Guterres, Antonio Guterres from the UN. Your staff are among the Hamas terrorists who surrendered yesterday. See, so what they did, they set the narrative, all terrorists, right? And then because they claim that, they then use the reality to act like it bolsters their other point, which is that all UN is Hamas, which is what he keeps trying to do. Except the point is, all you really did is expose the fact that you arrested a bunch of UN members and teachers and doctors and people from the school. They're just, they're drowning in this. Any condemnation? Right. Like we're supposed to condemn the allegation of rape charges or the allegation that we see this is the point. They want you to go, oh no, I blindly trust you because I believe in Israel. That That's not happening anymore for the most part. People that once did that are kind of, uh, they're going, wow, I'm, I can't believe I didn't see this before. And people like this are exposing themselves as the blind agenda seekers. Yeah, they yeah they were people from the UN school. That's what the, the UNRWA per, look look these people. This is from a UN school. Now look, you could argue that they work for Hamas, but I'd love to see the evidence for that. I can prove to you that they work with UN. I can prove to you that where they took them from, including this guy who accidentally, because Eli's not that bright, it seems, included the image and the sign in the background that proves they weren't where they said they were. Right? Absolute moron. The point though is that I can prove all of that. I can prove that they were in the school. I can prove that's where they were taken from. I can prove that none of them are Hamas in a sense of, uh, well, rather that there's no evidence that they are Hamas. So if they have some evidence other than Israel says that they are terrorists or that they came out of a tunnel, I'd love to see it. Until then, these people are doing nothing but lying to you with everything they've got. And here's an example of the same thing. 
Thomas Fozzi writes, this is the deputy mayor of Jerusalem. Israeli society has descended into full-blown genocidal fascism. Here's his actual tweet on the Wayback Machine. Here's what it says. If I had made the decision, I would have jumped 4D, these, these uh, trailers, or the, excuse me, the bulldozers that are militarized, and put them behind the mounds of dirt, just like Mossad was suggesting in that image, and given the order to cover all those hundreds of ants, you know, the doctors and teachers and civilians we're talking about, while they were still alive, he says. Like, think, think about making that statement. Whether you're talking about ISIS or Hamas or anybody, that shows you who you really are, not them. They are not human beings and not animal and not human animals. They are subhuman. That's I mean that, that's might as well right out of a Nazi talking point. And that is how they should be treated. They protest the memory of Amalek. We will not forget. And he even cites the biblical passage that justifies killing them to nothing. Ab, the, the most obvious genocidal statement that's been made, as scholars have made the point. This is who we're talking about. This is the mayor of Jerusalem. At least as they claim, right? And showing you the same people that we now have proven are not what they said they were. Do you think Eli David cares? Do you think Reuben cares? Clearly not. Now, on top of that, we have the overlap with the discussion. Now, look at the area we're talking about here. Look at the images. Look at the overlap. I think we're talking about the same location. Now, what it says is, even my tired veteran eyes who have been way too much, this is nor, nor a day, Seen way too many images of brutality first, brutality first thought. To, excuse me, who have seen way too many images of brutality first thought this was not a real image. But it is real. And a surgeon has in fact been identified among those stripped, humiliated, and abducted. Right, but to the people that are blindly following the narrative, because Israel said, therefore, he's Hamas no matter what, and you have to prove he's a doctor. No, you can prove he's a doctor. You can prove that he's been helping anybody. Include, I mean, the point is that you cannot prove the allegations that they're making, and yet they're already treating them like prisoners. Is this what happens in a democracy? Obviously, that's not what they are. Is this what happens with the rules of war? Obviously, they don't follow those, right? You get the point? It doesn't matter what the narrative is. They're not following what they claim they're supposed to be, whether or not you're dealing with the worst terrorists alive. It says he's shocked that his dear friend, colleague, and surgery mentor, Dr. Khalid Hamoda, is kidnapped by the Israeli forces. He's a peaceful, talented, and dedicated surgeon. He's trained him on surgical skills. He recently lost all of his family, including his wife and daughter. Cancer? No. Israeli bombing, which is going to be the overwhelming. I mean, can you just imagine how the history will show this with all the death certificates and whatever else happens? Israeli bombing. Israeli bombing. Right, Israeli shooting, IDF shot. It's all that's what we're dealing with here. Many civilians have been identified from similar disturbing pictures and videos posted by their soldiers, including human rights advocates, journalists, children. Among them, the 17-year-old Mohammed Kafrene. Right, these are all this, these are the people they claim are all the Hamas terrorists. Israeli soldiers are posting the ways that they are tormenting Palestinian civilians in Gaza. This video that you're looking at right here, shot during the day and night confirms survivor stories that in addition to stripping them down to their underwear and beating them, the Israeli soldiers use them as human shields. That's what you're looking at right here. They marched them along into areas that they were investigating, which is what these doctors and teachers and other people involved have said now that they've been released. 
And you can see by their own video that they continued doing it throughout the night. That in and of itself was torture, mind you, with the weather and the temperature. But on top of that, that you're using them as human shields. As I wrote and, and are covered in this discussion on November 9th, the open secret of Israel's use of human shields and the deliberate targeting of Palestinian civilians. That's a longer video. And here's a little bit shorter one. This one is 17 minutes. I also put out a very quick, quick clip that's on Twitter that I'll play for you right now in case you haven't seen it to understand that this is an, one of the most open secrets that there is. 2013, Palestinian children tortured, used as shields by Israel per the United Nations. Reuters. Israeli soldiers who used Palestinian boy, a nine-year-old, as human shield avoid jail. Defense for Children International, an international human rights group. Israel forces use five Palestinian children as human shields. That's 2023. This is from 2017. Generally, human shields. Since the beginning of the occupation in 1967, Israeli security forces have repeatedly used Palestinians in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip as human shields. Israeli soldiers routinely use Palestinian civilians as human shields by forcing them to carry out life-threatening tasks. It was also following a high court petition against this practice, which was filed by human rights organizations around the world in May 2002, that the IDF issued a general order prohibiting the use of Palestinians as a means of human shield against gunfire or attacks by the Palestinian side. But then it goes on to say, following the order, the use of human shields dropped sharply. However, the arms the army did not construe as a human shield the use of Palestinians, provided they consented. The army continued the widespread use of this practice, which they referred to as the neighbor procedure. Following another petition filed by human rights organizations, the High Court of Justice ruled that this practice, too, violated international humanitarian law and that this thus was illegal. And guess what they've never stopped doing? Here is the Institute for Middle East Understanding, the neighbor procedure, Israel's use of Palestinian human shields from 2012. Human Rights Watch. During military operations, Israeli soldiers routinely coerced Palestinian civilians, including children, to perform life-endangering acts that assisted military operations, the practice known as the neighbor procedure. Now, see this? It's just incredible. Same point I made about the trafficking, or, or organ trafficking, rather, which I'll, I'll actually include right now. While, while I was doing that, by the way, I was realizing that uh, decensored news in the chat and Rumble, and I was going to make them a mod. And it turns out that Rumble's pretending they don't exist. Let's do open secrets. I think that's it. Oh, that's Human Shield, same one. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to find it and include it. Anyway, I just think that's hilarious. So I was just trying to make them a mod. And, you know, I look, I'm, I don't think Rumble's on our side, quite frankly, but, but we'll, different, different time, different conversation. So to finish in this segment, the obvious point, and what I was saying there was the open secret of organ harvesting and trafficking, which is, again, they've been caught for this numerous times. They've been admit, they admitted to this numerous times. And even and after the Al-Shifa hospital, when they stole a hundred and so many bodies and then returned the bodies, they were missing organs per the Euromed Human Rights Organization. But they just, just the point is there's so much control over this from the people that are currently allowing it that they just won't let this get talked about. But here's Lord Bo Bebo saying the Israeli army stormed a school with refugees in northern Gaza. Now, this is the same overlap to this other story. Took the men and shot the women and children. Now, this is, guys, this has been roundly discussed. Al Jazeera covered this. The school has shown, you, you can see the actual documentation in school. I covered this before this actually happened. 
This is Mariam from Gaza saying, this is messed up. The occupation forces are now calling all men and boys over the age of 15 to come out of the Khalifa school in northern Gaza. And I simply said, this is terrifying. The Israeli forces of the night appear to be just rounding up all men over 15. Of course, claiming they're all Hamas, making a win for themselves, which is what ultimately happened. I'm sure this will all, quote, be in accordance with international law, according to the U.S. government, as long as Israel's doing it. And this person follows up and simply says, yeah, that seems like what they're doing. Just showing you this post saying testimony they received from some of those arrested by the occupation. Same point we're talking about. They provided vests packed with explosive to the detainees and put them into a tunnel as human shields. If they were any resistors, the army would blow up the detainee booby trapped in the tunnel. Now, this can't be confirmed. What we can confirm is the statement of human shields. But it says among those were arrested was the 15-year-old child. Now, maybe that was the 17. The point is that people just report what they're hearing. What we can prove, though, is the allegation of using them in these locations. But we also know that it seems in my interpretation of what we keep seeing, that they're just simply going, come out, anybody that's there. If you're there, you're now a Hamas terrorist. That's what seems to be happening. And this point, oh, that's what I was going to show you, was that the school image right here, where you can see this. We're inside this school, these people, and I think Gray Zone's already covered this, I believe, and they were they these they were point blank executed. There's no justification. There's no it's and and this is being this is a an overlap story with this point. And I believe what we're talking about here is the end the effort to do this, essentially, and then the fallout in more than one location. And I think what we're dealing with here is the effort to make it appear as if they've got some kind of a win. Or make it look rather or more so to justify the illusion that what they're doing is going after Hamas. Because remember, right before this, we were screaming, I've not seen a single member of Hamas in all of what they've done. And like the next day, they're like, here's 14 of them. Does that work? But they're not. It's the point. Now, Lord Bebo points out the Israeli army stormed a school with refugees in northern Gaza, took the men and shot the women and children, according to Al Jazeera. This explains fully the pictures with hundreds of blindfolded Palestinians that we just talked about. And then the update was showing you that one of these doctors was indeed there, which we know. Dan Cohen says Israel can never defeat Hamas because it is first and foremost a resistance movement. They could kill one of the leaders and the next generation of the orphan boys turned to men would replace them. And Israel knows this. That's why they're deliberately not going after the leadership in Qatar. As long as the occupation exists, so too will the resistance, which again, remember, Israel uses when they want to. Images like this are Hamas's best recruiting tool. Israel creates the most effective pro-Hamas propaganda, treating these people like they are nothing. And they're not Hamas. And as Dr. Ishtar of Uk points out, this is a surgeon. Again, multiple people confirming who these people are. And I just, as I just told you, the reality here, of them rounding up people in areas that we know are not what they are, say they are. Daniel Modus points out something that many have covered. Oh, actually, this one's before this. The Israeli occupation, she argues, forces besiege a forces besiege a Palestinian sheltering school for displaced people in Hamdan area in the northern Gaza Strip, expelling women and children from the school, kidnapping men, conducting on-site investigations, and arresting some of them. Right? See how they, these are. This is the same kind of operation they're conducting. And I think they ultimately killed people in the process and then took a whole bunch of them acting like it was Hamas that came up out of a tunnel when the reality is they stormed a school and took innocent people. And Freddie Ponton points out, in case you didn't already know, U.S. mercenaries, otherwise known as the U.S. military working outside of their area, you know, on behalf of another government working 
in, and th this is uh, U.S. mercenaries from Ukraine spotted in Gaza, right? So the same entities that they're just juggling around are working in, on the ground to murder civilians with your tax dollars. He has a little thread here you can break down. Witnesses report, you know, actually I'll play the video. I believe I've got it right here. Oh, that's not it. That was the other one. I guess I don't have it. Is this one? No, that's the other one. Oh, well, I'll just show it to you right here. The, the, the point really was just to show you that, you know, it's they're talking they're It's at five minutes as well. They're just going through the room and talking about the execution style actions and what the witnesses saw and, you know, the reality of what we're seeing everywhere else. It's, it's very obvious. Dan Cohen writes, two witnesses tell Al Jazeera that Israeli forces carried out point-blank executions of women, children, babies, sheltering in the uh, Shadia Abu Ghazala school in the west of Jabalia refugee camp. Now remember, just like the children that they let, the, the infants they let die and rot in those beds, knowing that they we could prove they knew they were there, and they left them anyway. That's the kind of humanity we're dealing with here. And even unrest, example, to people that believe the Israeli agenda, this means nothing. But from the UN perspective, they're also telling you this. 10 to 11 of December, right? So you can see this is more than one operation. Verifying reports of incidents that happened at numerous installations. Reports of incidents at the UNRWA school in Bet Laya. Men forced to strip down to their underwear, detained. Forces repeatedly set fire to the school. That's what we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. And then where are we at? Two minutes and 13. I think we'll just wrap with a couple of these points. Let me see real quickly. These, I think these were all the points I was showing you before, just briefly. I was going to point out that these people like Eli David are still using the arguments that we've proven are fake. That he doesn't respond to, of course. Like the baby in the oven or these things that even Haaretz have proven that are not real. Or the allegations of rape which have continued to be shown, which I will, I, I will go over again in one of these shows, but I did such a focus on this that I'm not going to go into it today. But I'll, actually, I'll say some of these couple points because we're not that long. Biden has ignored, apparently, requests from invitations to the White House, Hanukkah celebration, from families of the American captives in Gaza. Right, talking about Israelis that Israel claims they're fighting for who are still held captive in Gaza because they refuse to accept the deal that Hamas has been offering since the first day, which was for everybody if they got a lot more people back from the prisons in Israel, most of which are detained without charge, per even the corporate media. But no, they refused. And they were forced to take the part of the deal that they did when they had the pretend truce. And still they want more. And Israel's now saying no, as I'll show you in a second. As I, this is a... Where was it? Nope, hold on. There was a point over here I was going to show. That, right there. No, not that one. Did I miss that? Dang it. Well, there was a, there's a point in here about the... Who was it? The Mossad chief basically trying to do... Try, oh, is it right here? Yeah, there it is. Okay. Israel's war cabinet blocks Mossad chief from restarting hostage talks. So it's very clear. He's simply trying to restart the talks and they're going no. And they say basically, well, we don't think Hamas is even connected to their leadership in Qatar anymore. Okay, that might make sense, except right down here, they, they say ministers also decided Israel would not propose an outline for a deal or enter talks at all until they've convinced Hamas in, in seriously intends to do it. 
So is it about the leadership or is it about the fact that you don't think they even want to? Both of which are lies, by the way. I mean, it's, it's absurd. The reality is obviously that Hamas has been offering the deal they keep refusing from the very first week, as even the BBC and New York Times reported. And Netanyahu was forced to admit to his own people when they forced him to take this last deal. So now acting like they're not sure if they want it? No, they don't want more people to come back and admit that they shot them. They don't want people coming back telling them Hamas did not treat them poorly. That challenges the insinuation that the ones they kept are because they raped them all. It's, it's just, it's sad how obvious these lies are. And in no way does that mean Hamas good guy. Quite frankly, it's the opposite. But even then, they have to lie about it. So when they try to get the hostage talks going back on, they refuse and blame them. It's the same as the two-state solution game. So the point is, they're now refusing to let the Israelis still in Gaza, the families of them, join the celebration. Now, does that, does that seem like an example of how they're fighting for these people? Or does it seem like those are the people that they're trying to exclude because, well, they're going to come and say, we want a ceasefire. Because that's the case. They want ceasefire. All of the families seem to. Netanyahu doesn't care. The Israeli government doesn't care. They're basically telling him to shut up right now. And they, 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 it says that they, they invited Avi Meyer, the settler propagandist, whose media outlet spread a hoax that a Palestinian baby was killed by an, by an Israeli was actually a doll. We covered that story. He got, one of these people got fired from the Jerusalem Post for even selling that story. The point, though, is that they're refusing to allow the people that are, the families of those people to come while allowing people that are, the narrative is, let's keep bombing until nothing's left. Or not the narrative, but the action. I mean, that's crazy. That shows you how overtaken this all is. And on during the Hanukkah celebration, Israeli soldiers celebrated by indiscriminately firing tank rounds into homes in Gaza. You know, because Hamas, bad guy in democracy, right? Zionism desecrates Judaism to destroy Palestine. Exactly. And he cites the reality that U.S. national interests have allowed, or they, they claim, they cite U.S. national interests for the U.S. to, or rather specifically Biden's administration, to, to explicitly circumvent the process with Congress, review, to give more weapons to Israel. Which, by the way, we talked about. Biden asked, they, they bypassed Congress to approve the sale of what I said was more tank shells that were already used to kill civilians on October 7th. While excluding the families of the people still held because we're fighting for the hostages, right? Right, guys? Well, here's Elon Levy saying the only thing false in the data is Hamas supplied casualty figures. This, per this is Middle East Eye saying, Elon Levy from North London has become a spokesman for the Israeli government. Levy used data proved later to be false, more than once, by the way, attempting to show that Israel was achieving less than 0.8 deaths per airstrike. It's, it was an embarrassing lie. And he says, the only thing false in the data is the Hamas supplied casualty figures. But if you take the 1700 number and perform simple division over 22,000 Israel airstrikes, that we're assuming that's even accurate, my, by the way, that 0.77 death strike per point with the idea of incredible precision. They are incredible precision in targeting Hamas. Apparently only in the imagination of Israeli sycophants. Because literally everybody, including Biden now, is telling them that they're indiscriminately bombing. Can you think about that? My, now, think about this. This is the point. First of all, if you haven't seen it, The Lancet put out an article that says no evidence of inflated mortality reports from the Gaza Ministry of Health. December 6th, 
citing all sorts of statistics and provable data points that show you not only have they almost always aligned with what Israel later puts out, but that that's the simple reality of the numbers currently. No evidence of inflated mortality reporting from the Gaza Health Ministry. Using publicly available info, we compared the Gaza Health Ministry mortality reports with separate sources of mortality reporting and found no evidence of inflated rates. The point. So I said, so your argument is they're lying. Okay, but but if you find out they're not lying, then <laughs> the number shows our precision. So wait a minute, is it one or the other? Like when somebody comes out and says, that's not true, but if you want to believe it is, here's my excuse for that too. <laughs> It's like, well, I don't believe you. It sounds like a very disingenuous way to put that. But it says you have to be the worst propagandist in history, I wrote. Even the Lancet said these numbers were accurate and nothing about this is precision. Like think about trying to frame 20 plus thousand civilian deaths over almost 10,000 civilians. I mean, look, the numbers from even this reporting are like 70% women and children. But let's pretend it's all precision Hamas strikes. They're drowning in their lives. And again, what that proves to you is that they want to keep bombing where the hostages are held, that they want to keep doing what they're doing. Mossad chief stands up and says, let's talk for, no, no more hostages. Hamas doesn't want it as they're waving over there going, we want all our people back, which was the only reason we did this is kind of the narrative. Well, here's how they frame this, right? Seeing as how every single person that has come home when they spoke by, of their own volition or anywhere that you can see them speaking, they say we were treated well. We got food, feminine hygiene. We were allowed to pray together. They, they calmed us down. They, all this different stuff. So that then becomes from the Israel main account. What is this? What's this little image here? Looks like Jeffrey Epstein's overlap thing on his little temple. But it says Ella 8 and Daphna 15 were held captive by Hamas for 15 days. F excuse me, 50 days. Because Israel didn't care until then and still doesn't. When we were, when they were returned to their families, they had braided hairstyles. Apparently, it says their hair was braided by the Israeli teenagers and young women who were held hostage with the girls and wanted them to feel beautiful. We pray for the return of their hostages. Okay, was that was that supposed to? I mean, that's that's what they're giving you. Like we're supposed to shock and a gasp in terror that they were allowed to console each other while they were fed and given water when basically people are starving and dying of thirst in Gaza. And you're making that happen. And they've reported that the only thing they were afraid of was the bombings that were coming down on their heads when they were cowering in fear, along with the Hamas elements in the areas they were in. Many of them currently per Haaretz, Ynet, and their own mission, suffering permanent hearing damage because of the bombardments. So how are we supposed to pretend that they don't care, that they care about these people when they're literally, I argue, intentionally trying to take all of this out? This is nothing but blown up in their face with every single one of them that's been released. And to add to that, Daily Sabah points out the U.S. intel details Israel's widespread use of dumb bombs in Gaza. Here's what it says. The assessment compiled by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence estimates that about 40 to 45 percent of the alleged 29,000 air-to-ground munitions used by Israel have been unguided with the remainder being precision-guided munitions. Unguided munitions, due to their lack of precision, interesting, as he's screaming over here, precision strikes for Gaza, due to their lack of precision, almost 50% of what they've used, pose a significant threat to civilians, especially in densely populated areas like Gaza. 
probably why they're using them. The high rate of usage of these, quote, dumb bombs by Israel may be contributing to the escalating civilian death toll. Well, that's a, let me, let me piece that one together. That's a tough allegation. Come on. Maybe. How about you just have the gumption to go that obviously is adding to the death toll because it's indiscriminate and you're bombing civilians. But it says on Tuesday, U.S. President Joe Biden, get this guys, and this is true, accused Israel of engaging in indiscriminate bombing. All that is, is him cowering back to salvage some remnants of what he lost in blindly supporting the Zionist genocide as even his own staff is like, you're committing genocide. The point is, they've lost everything. The Israeli Zionist agenda has completely imploded on itself because of what they're doing. And and that's even with 50 days of blind support that's now starting to fall apart. Major Kareen Hajiaf, another Israeli spokesperson, said Wednesday that Israel, as a military commit, as a military committed to international law and a moral code of conduct, is devoting vast resources to military harm to civilians. Excuse me. That's, I should have said it right. To minimize human, I can't talk apparently, minimize harm to civilians. Hardly what's happening. So all we're talking about is, you know, an AI mass assassination factory system that their own IDF admit is indiscriminately bombing or use of dumb bombs that anybody with a brain can tell are indiscriminately bombing or the statements of indiscriminate bombing or the accuracy, destruction that accuracy or every genocidal intent statement, you know, all of that provable things. And then go, I'm going to go ahead and believe this guy that just says we're doing everything we can. Right. I'm going to believe John Kirby when he goes, we're doing everything we can or they're doing. A-. Well, they literally just said the opposite. They literally show you their program that proves the opposite. They literally have their own people telling you the opposite. And all we can do is go they're operating their intent, operate inside. I mean, whatever. Just It's embarrassing. It goes on to say, however, experts have expressed concern that the high rate of unguided munitions usage undermines Israel's claim of trying to minimize civilian casualties again soft peddling that. In fact, it completely destroys the argument. You can't bomb 50% of the time with indiscriminate bombs. Mind you, the same reason they argue that Hamas aims at civilians, because they use indiscriminate rockets. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Israel, you just got caught doing the same thing. So either you're as guilty as Hamas, or you give, I'm sure they'll have some other explanation. The point is, we can prove to you that they're using these things in addition to everything else they've said. It's not up for debate. Brian Kastner, a former explosive ordnance disposal officer and current senior crisis advisor on arms and military operations for Amnesty International, expressed surprise and concern over the findings. The report comes at a sensitive time in U.S.-Israeli relations with a growing rift between the two countries over how the Israeli military is conducting its operations in Gaza. Or more accurately, now that they've committed so much murder that people are finally starting to push back against Biden, including his own staff, to where that's uncomfortable for them to continue to support genocide. Not that they care about genocide or people's lives. It's politically not advantageous for them anymore. President Biden has stated that Israel is losing international support. Yeah, you're about 49 days late, Biden, as the death toll rises and the U.S. is becoming increasingly isolated intentionally for its refusal to back calls for a ceasefire. I mean, even that is like watered down. It's just, it's so obvious what's happening. Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, will begin a two-day trip to Israel today, apparently, to conduct extremely serious conversations, they say, with Israeli officials. 
according to John Kirby. The discussions will focus on efforts to be more precise in military operations to reduce harm to civilians. Okay, this is just painfully insulting. So let me ask you, again, Kareen and whoever, all the rest of these mindless repeaters that are saying the same thing, if this whole time they've been doing everything in their power to reduce civilian casualties, how are we going to do better than that? I mean, come on, it doesn't take, it takes a kindergartner to see that that's a stupid, the, the argument is they weren't doing everything they could, they could if now you need more. They didn't just magically create more ways to stop killing civilians. You're asking them to actually stop killing civilians now that it's hurting you because you guys are disgusting and you're okay with it. Here's what John Kirby had to say. Oh, wait. Oh, I, th- I think I remember what I did. Hold on. I've got it right here. Hold on. I swear I downloaded that. Yeah, it's right here. It cost cost Israel international global support. Um, does the president believe, based on the union and 49 initiative and diaspora engagement. And this is just the start. We look forward to continuing to build on these commitments and strengthen our relationships with uh, uh, African partners and other organizations going forward. Thanks, Um, The president yesterday, you alluded to those remarks. He said that Israel was engaged in indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. And that that, that is what had Did you notice that? I didn't catch that last time. Take a look at the sign language person when when he makes that very clear statement. The African Union to the G forward to continuing to build on these commitments and strengthen our relationships with uh, uh, African partners and other organizations going forward. Thanks, Heather. Um, the president yesterday you alluded to those remarks. He said that Israel was engaged in indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. Did you see that? She literally smiled and stopped signing when it came to indiscriminate bombing. There's no way she could get ahead of his words, guys. She literally did not sign that. I I mean, this is my point about how obvious this is. We are living through one of the most obvious efforts, and it's not just around the Israel. I mean, we just went over East Palestine. It's all this stuff is blatant. This is why they're so afraid of us right now, because we're starting to see or people that have never seen before are starting to see who they really are. Initiative and diaspora engagement. And this is just the start. We look forward to continuing to build on these commitments and strengthen our relationships with uh, uh, African partners and other organizations going forward. Thanks, Um, The president yesterday, you alluded to those remarks. He said that Israel was engaged in indiscriminate bombing in Gaza. Wow. That that, that is what had cost cost Israel international global support. Um, Does the president believe, based on those comments, that Israel's conduct in this war thus far has been in accordance with international law? We have every expectation that uh, that. Israel will do exactly what they say they're doing. I I think about making this statement now, after all that's come out, evidence, and even Biden saying it's indiscriminate, which we know it is. It doesn't matter that Biden said it. It's the fact that he's now meekly coming along with the narrative because he has to. Or, again, be on guard for the fact that we're supposed to be talking about this. That's that's certainly a valid concern. Regardless, it's important to point it out because it's real, and they deserve to have accountability for what they're doing. But think about this statement. Right. So does so how in the world can you pretend that Biden says they're bombing indiscriminately? That's a quote. And then somehow magically still acting with international law. Like that is talk about mental gymnastics and always said and the way he pieces through this is painful. Basically, it comes down to, well, 
their intent is this. And we're just trying to make sure that their actions line up with that intent. Oh, so they're lying to you and you're trying to make sure they do what they said they would. That's not, you can't pretend if their intent was to not kill them, they wouldn't be killing civilians as much as they are. That's not like you tripped in your shoelaces and killed a bunch of civilians that day. Whoops. Our intent was there though. It's obvious. So these people are covering for genocide and that's obvious. Permanent bombing in Gaza, and that that that, that is what had cost cost Israel international global support. Um, does the president believe, based on those comments, that Israel's conduct in this war thus far has been in accordance with international law? We have every expectation that uh, that Israel will do exactly what they say they're doing, which is to continue to go after the terrorist leaders and to do so in a way that minimizes civilian harm. As I said in my opening statement, as the president said. That's their intent, um, and it, it's important that the results match that intent. How embarrassing. I was saying yesterday that, that the results have not thus far matched that intent. He was expressing concerns that, that, uh, that we continue to see civilian casualties. No, no, he's not, John. I know you're usually pretty good at this, but you can't wiggle your way out of indiscriminate bombing. You can't pretend it's indiscriminate and then somehow magically meeting international law. Those two things are incongruent. But this is how obvious it is today. These people are liars in, in Gaza. And again, that we want to make sure that they're that as they work to minimize that they actually have those kinds of results, that they are able to minimize. Oh my God. I mean, it, this is, again, why I don't watch this stuff anymore. Like, how can you sit through that? How can these people sit there and be like, really, John? Like, that's just stupid, man. Like, we all know you're lying, but they don't do that because they won't be welcome back. That's called access journalism. How sad. And on top of that, Israel's making it clear today this war will last for months. Great. So as John Kirby gives them a complete pass and acts like we're, we're working on not murdering as many people, we're giving them months to figure it out. These people deserve to be in prison. I've never seen a more obvious example of that. And let's not forget the AI mass assassination factory we discuss in this. This is the 972 article that discusses the, I think it was Habsara or uh, Habsara, Habsara or Habsara. I think I can't remember if it's H-A-B-S-A-R-A or the other way around. In any case, it, it means the gospel. And it is a, it is a discussion, not, not Hasbara, not, not the propaganda side, but the AI program, I think it's Habsara, that they admitted is basically an excuse. One of the quotes in the article was, we bring down buildings sometimes just to bring down buildings, whether they're full of people or not. And Amnesty International has proven that they did. And yet we debate whether this is genocide or not. It's, it's just sad. So we're going to go ahead and leave it there today. I will leave you with a video. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I forget which one we we're going to include there. This had related to something else. But in any case, guys, I just, they know you see them. That's a dangerous position to be in the cornered animal and all the different analogies we could discuss, but it's still important. I mean, not it's paramount that we don't let this fall drift back into the kind of normalcy that we always fall, especially before an illusion of an election. It's important that we make sure that not only these talking, but the discussions, all of the things we're talking about are relevant to the not, I don't not just imply that I think the election ultimately means anything. I know it's going to upset some people, but in the conversation around it, which is always an important conversation because people are informing and talking and debating, 
but we need to make sure that this is prominent. I don't know how it's not going to be, I, but I'm, I'm willing to bet you they're going to do their best to keep this kind of conversation out of it. But back to the starting with East Palestine conversation of the show today, you know, the reality that the people are suffering all over the country, all over the world, because at some level, we're allowing this to be the case. And I'm like, if everybody was out there pushing back, like some of us are, and I'm not even saying myself, but some people out there are doing a lot of work out there in the real world, protesting lawsuits, whatever else. Do you think it would still be this way? Right. There's far too many people that go along to get along. I'm not really trying to call anybody out. It's all, it's always your choice. That's the main point for me. The thing that they don't care about that. I think you should always have a choice even to allow the bad things to happen. But the point is that if you do care about this, see, you know, sharing the work and discussing this, that's important, but folding this into your life, making this something that's important beyond just sharing the show, talking to people about it. Caring, you know, taking action in your life that you think can actually affect the outcome. I think that's it's so wildly important today because we are making a difference, which is why NewsGuard and groups are trying to stop the work of the independent media because we're reaching people, and that terrifies them as they're getting closer and closer to potential accountability. That's why it's happening. So, if you want to support what we're doing, as always, there's plenty of ways to do so down in the show notes below. But just sharing the work itself is important. But I challenge you to take that a step further. Go out there and talk to people about these things. Make clips of the show yourself. Start your own show. Send me a link. Let's talk about it. It's important that we keep pushing when we have the momentum more than ever. And the nonpartisan objective momentum, which I argue we can make this, you know, which is kind of what's happening. Same with the COVID-19 agenda. You're always going to have the left, right, the left, you know, screaming pundits and the right screaming pundits acting like it's this or it's that when we all can like, well, it's clearly not either of those things. They always want to make it about their side. And we can change things if we keep pushing in this way. And I think more and more people are waking up to that illusion, whether the two party illusion, the elections, the voting illusion, all the different things were pushed on us, or just the fact that we're being drenched in dangerous chemicals every single day while acting like they're helping you with what they're doing. Stand up. There's never been a better time in the world to do so. More change that's possible. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Violence. Uh, I was part of the human rights vetting process for arms going to Israel. And a charity called Defense of Children International Palestine uh, drew our attention at the State Department to the sexual assault, actually the rape of a 13-year-old boy that occurred in an Israeli prison in the Moscobia in Jerusalem. Uh, we examined these allegations. Uh, we believe they were credible. We put them to, Isra to uh, the government of Israel. And you know what happened the next day? The IDF went into the DCIP offices and removed all their computers and declared them a terrorist entity. Um, I think it is vital that atrocities not happen to anyone, not sexual, not sexual violations, not any kind of gross violation of human rights. We are looking at a situation where there is so much dehumanification where people are not seen for the value that they have.